High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome again, fans of Corey Haim, fans of Corey Feldman, fans of Lifetime movies. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school's still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I... Would like to see the results. Happy Pride, everyone. As you can tell, my voice is in rainbow colors right now because that's what every <laughs> that's what every uh, corporation does these days. There's a big debate on the internet, right? Like, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? I know a lot of people are upset about it on both sides, honestly. But hey, at least there's an acknowledgement. At least there's a dialogue. And at the end of the day, Happy Pride overall. Because it's an awesome, awesome, awesome time of year, and it's awesome time to acknowledge people of the LGBTQ community. Just because we're celebrating doesn't mean you don't have homework, of course. And your homework, as always, every week is hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And of course, while you're there, leave a positive review. Leave a five-star rating. And if you're not there, maybe you're listening on the flagship, cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me, the home of so many other great pop culture podcasts, including including uh, Too Fast, Too Forever, Third Time's a Charm, The Monsters That Made Us. What am I missing? Monkey Club? No, I'm kidding. Of course, we had a great podcast debut, and if you did your homework and listened to the last episode of High School Slumber Party, you know exactly what I'm talking about. How to win the lottery. Bobby Fischer, not the chess player, the person, (laughs) and Joey Lewandowski host this new show about books that you should read. Do it. Listen to the episode. I listened to the first episode. It was great. Keep listening. You'll feel smarter if you do it. I feel like Bobby Fischer is to Joey Lewandowski as Kate Hudson is to me. Every time I say that our guest Kate Hudson's coming on, I get one person who thinks it's like the actual Kate Hudson, like the celebrity Kate Hudson. I wonder if some chess enthusiast will get excited to be like, has Joey resurrected the ghost of Bobby Fischer to be on this podcast? (laughs) Who the hell knows? Anyway, check out How to Win the Lottery. That's another piece of your homework. And as I mentioned, have you been listening and doing your homework and listening to the Corey movies we've been talking about because they've been great. Last time, I always say last week, I forgot we're bi-weekly. Last time, Monday, we did The Goonies, a classic movie, a Corey Feldman movie. Jordan Poland Clark was with us. Mike Manzi, of course, was with us. He's here again today because he is our Corey expert. And today is the final day 
at least this year, of our Corey Lap, our Corey series, Corinthians 1. That'll make sense once you listen to today's episode. And the aforementioned episode today is a Lifetime movie. Neither Corey is in it, but it's about them. A tale of two Corys. I'm so excited to talk this one. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to the episode on this one. And you know it. I said Lifetime movie, so you know who is here. Joe Two of Too Fast, Too Forever, our Lifetime expert. Oh boy, this is a good one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The bell does not dismiss you, ladies and gentlemen. I dismiss you. While that bell was ringing, though, I kind of think something I said might have been taken out of context. I don't think anyone says pride is controversial. Of course not, or at least I hope not. We're in 2021, for God's sakes. I think the debate online has been about these companies that are just co-opting pride. Remember, the original pride was a riot, the Stonewall riot here in my city, New York City. A riot. Most of the people participating in it were gay people of color, you know? And for some people to see, how can I put it, like Bethlehem Steel with a rainbow logo, stuff like that, Union Carbide. I don't know if these companies even exist anymore. You would, you know what, you know what I mean. The big corporations. I get how it can rub people the wrong way. So that's what I meant. I love Pride, though, and happy Pride once again. You probably didn't need me to explain all that, but I feel like I had to. Anywho, let's get to the movie today. A Tale of Two Corys. I do want to give somewhat of a disclaimer about this film. It's a lifetime film, and we have a lot of fun. It does deal with some serious, fucked-up subjects. And I just want to confirm we're not laughing at what's happening. It's very, very sad what's happening to the Corys in this movie. But Lifetime, as we explain, is it's just such a different genre that you can't help but have a little fun talking about it. You'll see why. I know that sounds so bad, but I have to put some kind of disclaimer. And also, we're not making fun of Corey Feldman and Corey Haim. I actually think both these Corys are awesome. If you've been doing your homework and listening to our episodes, we say nothing but great things about their acting. It's not their fault what happened to them. Hollywood did a terrible thing to them and an entire generation of child stars. It is depressing. There's tons of documentaries about it. I talk about Kid 90 in this. Watch that over the weekend. It was super, super cool. Definitely check out Kid 90. But yeah, it really influenced my opinion on this film as well. So yeah, that's my disclaimer. It gets a little weird, but kind of had to be there moment. But if you did your homework and watched A Tale of Two Corys on Lifetime, you'll get exactly what I'm saying. So I'm going to leave you with something that's really silly. There's a theme song to this movie, and I could not find it on the internet. So I just took the words out of the trailer and like kind of smashed the parts of the theme song together. So it's going to sound weird, but I hope you get, you know, what the vibe of the film is. So pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother sleeping at Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. Class dismissed. Michael Jackson.
Mike, we've made it here. We've made it to the end of year one <laughs> of our two or three year Corey's lap or no, okay, they're not laps <laughs> series. They can be laps. Coreathons. Yeah. Um, yeah. Retrospective. <laughs> I'm not sure, but oh, I like that. I need a bit. Can it be like Corinthians one? Ooh, that's hot. <laughs> that's cool too. Uh, I think I, I think I need a little Corey rehab after this episode, though, and some little oh, time yeah. off. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, this was a great way to end season one of our Corey's thing because this was this was a recap done in the most beautiful way possible. <laughs> <laughs> a lifetime film. We're talking a tale of two Corys today, and of course, we have our lifetime expert here, Joe Two. You've heard his voice already. Welcome back to High School Slumber Party. We've talked a decent amount, but we haven't talked a lifetime film in a, in a while, so I'm excited to have no. you back for that. I'm really excited and and this is something I wouldn't have normally brought to you, but you got like the the rare lifetime biopic, right? Like the actual like almost documentary lifetime movie like we've done like what like the fab five which is like based on it but like you didn't get like the actual thing so i'm i'm, I'm excited to be here yeah i'm very excited that you're here as well i think this is the first time we might aside from like our crossover episodes that we've both been on together and i've been waiting to be on one of these lifetime episodes so it's like <laughs> it's really like this, yeah i mean i'm looking forward to like joe's already dropped some knowledge about lifetime movies you know the whole like this is a biopic kind of situation and mostly they just seem to be sort of ripped from the headlines or something not that this wasn't a big headline you know for their whole lives and stuff but it's just very fun to be here with a lifetime movie kind of retrospective so let's dive in then but mike by i think what mm. you're on this might be your ninth episode in a row yeah. or something like that so <laughs> and we're still going to prom this year it's like crazy yes. <laughs> so uh, uh do the honors introduce yourself first yes. and then joe mike manzi rhs class of 97 go maroons but go Corys as well <laughs> the fighting cory <laughs> yeah i wish <laughs> Joe to the Pittsburgh Central Catholic High School, uh, class of 07, Roll Vikes. So as our lifetime expert, Joe, you were hitting something that I really wanted to get into. There are these different kinds of lifetime movies, as we've seen even talking about on the show. But yeah. this, is, this is a genre that we haven't touched on this show, which is the celebrity rip from the headline story. I've seen that it exists. I haven't seen too many with my own eyes, but like occasionally, you know, you're flipping through channels, you'll see a commercial for, oh, remember that celebrity that died two years ago? Here's the Lifetime movie. Yes. So I have seen one of them ever, and it was, what was it? the Brittany Murphy story. Oh. I don't know what it was called, but but it was about Brittany Murphy. And again, it just happened to be on, and I had it on in the background, typical Lifetime, and this was many years ago. And that's the only one I've really seen, but I've seen a lot of commercials for other ones so i was excited to talk about this one and in doing my research of like what should we cover for when we want to talk about the quarries when this popped up i'm like oh this we got to end the season with this because i don't know (laughs) there's just so much magic here so if you want to know joe's history with lifetime listen to all our other lifetime episodes we've covered but i gotta ask because i've been asking all the guests on this lap what is your history with the two quarries were you familiar with them at all have you seen one quarry more than the other neither of them no, um, I mean, like, 
I think my only real history that I remember with the two Corys is like seeing Corey Feldman on TV, maybe in like the early 2010s and like possibly like a celebrity rehab type situation. Like I know his face from stuff. Like I, I guess it was probably around the time of the end of this, like end of this movie where he was like doing reality TV or something and trying to like, re get back into it but uh maybe like vh1 like i love the 90s or something like that like the, maybe he was on like a bunch of those but like no i i've never seen um lost boys i'm not even a huge goonies fan so like i don't have that going for me so like also while i was watching this this was kind of like a new story to me so I had, like, no mm. idea of, like, the history of the two Corys. So, like, watching it live, I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, I can't Google, like, what happens because, like, I'm pretty sure this other Corey's going to die. <laughs> and, uh, and I was right. But, not to laugh at it, but it just, like, for us too, Mike and myself, we've been watching all these Corey movies. Originally, I didn't think there were this many, and that's why yeah. now we're, we're going to do, like, laps of three years of them. But this movie is such sad validation for a lot of like hypotheses hypothesis i don't mm-hmm. know the plural of that that we've had in our discussions here and just to recap joe like mike's a cory loyalist he saw a lot of these movies in theaters <laughs> it's yeah. true no it is i like probably like did the you op- purposely yeah like or the, was it just like the complete opposite of like your experience probably whereas like they were very much like in step with my progression through puberty like they were have you know what i'm saying like their oh, phases yeah. matched up with my phases and stuff they're a little older than i am but like still that i was their target audience for sure and i feel like it worked on me for for the most <laughs> part right uh became a like a loyal lifetime fan of theirs even to like today i guess to the point where i'm you know, strong-armed Brian into this series at the beginning. So, yeah, that's that's not a lie. Yeah. That's really cool. I was a little less familiar than Mike. I didn't go to theaters or anything like that. I rented some of the movies, but I was with you, Joe. Like, they first came on my radar when they were jokes. It was, like, yeah. I of the 80s had a segment, exactly. like, about them. And then, like you said, they were in, like, the surreal life and shows like that, or Feldman, at least. So, like... This has been such a cool journey and an interesting journey and just, like, a sad journey at the same time. A really yeah, sad journey. Terribly sad. Yeah. Well, based on this movie. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We we do have to remember, though, like, this this is still, like, heavily filtered through, like, a lot of different lenses. Oh, for sure. You know, for the most part, too, like, it's that Lifetime movie lens that isn't exactly yes. reliable in the first place. Let's just say that, well, right? Or... You, know? you have to make it as as is tradition with a lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. This has to be terrifying for a mother. Right. Okay, that's like <laughs> the first way we have to pitch this movie. Like they got the nostalgia on it, right? Because like that might make sense. Like you know, she might remember her kids going to see the movies or like remember them because mm-hmm. I always assume that the lifetime viewer is a little bit is a woman that's about a decade or two older than me, probably even older than that. Yeah. So like they they would know who these people are, but then also like. Being a child actor would be terrifying because everybody's constantly getting raped. And then <laughs> yeah. the drugs, like the crazy the amounts of drugs. And they see yeah. this today, too. Like, this is like a cycle that is still happening. You know what I mean? So, like, there's plenty of. Yeah. Tra- I mean, Tom Holland seems to have his head unscrewed right, but like. 
you know, it might be the exception like Brittany. out there. Yeah, Brittany. Yeah, yeah. We had like all those things too. So good call about the uh, moms, the mom factor. I guess you could call yeah, it. Yeah, that's the filter that has to go through. So like, they need yeah. to make it terrifying for for a mom yeah. that has a young kid that might want to be a child actor, or just you know, terrifying for a mom in general. Just like the world is a scary place. That's a common yeah. theme we see here. Yeah, yeah. Like these could be your kids, like your little your little core. Yeah, and and like they they were in Canada. And then, like, they went to the big city of L.A. It's like, it's not New York this time. It's L.A., but also terrifying, and this is what's going to happen. And also, um, you know, Corey Haim, R.I.P., no longer with us, didn't, you know, have any input on this movie, right? So, like, there's a lot of, like, Corey Feldman. I feel like he's, like, all over this, right? Like, not that he's trying to make Haim look bad, but he's definitely trying to make himself look bad better like it feels more like the Corey Feldman kind of like got sucked into it by Corey yes. Haim movie it's yes. weird yeah it's very weird Mike it's something we've learned while talking about all these movies with just like the trivia and, and facts and all these things unfortunately like you know the living right history and the dead you know yeah the winners the winners right history right so yeah I mean not that there's you know we're, we're, they A were winner, in slight but... competition but yeah no exactly so Almost everything we're getting today is filtered through Corey Feldman, who a lot of people say is an unreliable narrator, and we'll definitely we'll definitely talk about that. But you're absolutely right. This isn't like an equal to Corey's story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't look good either, right? Like, I'm not saying like he's squeaky no. clean or anything, but like just the general tone of like his side of it seems. You know, I wasn't doing anything. Yeah, like he he started smoking weed. (laughs) Right, like (laughs) like Fellman's the victim. Right, yeah. Every week, I try to read back a VHS DVD. Of course, this is that kind of movie. (laughs) I'll just go on like Lifetime.com or something, and this is what it said on. The other cool thing about this is this had to be in like an event. Right. Like every Lifetime movie is kind of like an event. Like we talked about, like, you know, they have like a month of cheerleader things or something like that. This was like the two Corey's event because after this played like Corey Feldman uncensored or something. So like they were doing like a Corey's event on Lifetime at this time. Similar to context. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That also reminds me, Mike, and the whole mom thing, right? I know you're not a mom, obviously, but like. I'm sure there are people you grew up with who are moms today who grew up with the Corys like you who watch this and be like, you know, I'm not plugged in enough to know who the Justin Bieber of today is. I'm sorry. But there is a Justin Bieber of today that their kids are are watching that they're looking with a weary eye like. Yeah. Those Nazi YouTubers, right? Like PewDiePie and those crackheads. Yeah. You're right, yeah. <laughs> but we just don't even know them. Like they, we, we're not even tapped into like their realm. Right, know? right. Totally <laughs> oblivious, completely. So Lifetime.com did not have like a good little summary of this. It was more about like the making of. So I'll read it anyway, though. Filmed earlier this year, so they didn't update the website. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> when, not. What year was that? 2017, 2018, 2018, yeah. Lifetime will premiere an original movie, A Tale of Two Corys, on, oh, on January 6, 2018. So it was shot in 2017. Executive produced by Corey Feldman, the movie is based on a true story of the rise and fall of the 80s phenomenon, The Two Corys. 
actors Corey Feldman and Corey Haim. And for the record, yes, Corey Feldman is a producer here. He's one of the writers, but if you look at IMDb, he's one of like 10 writers, which wow. is interesting. Wow. He hasn't disowned the movie, but he has said it was very much a whitewashing of what actually happened, but I don't know what also what he expected. He was trying to make a dark, gritty Lifetime Corey's <laughs> well, movie. They left out I Corey's angels. That. They left out his angels at the end of this. You know, I'm sure he wrote those in as a big part, but... <laughs> I mean, that's interesting. Yeah, I, like there's a lot of ground to cover, you know, and if he's a he, he's there as a source, tap it. You know what I mean? Like who would at least maybe, like you said, he might not be the most reliable narrator. He might be conflating things, deflating stuff. But like he it's his life. He was there. Like, let's yeah, he was let's at least talk there. to him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like he should have been involved. I mean, it's weird because you wouldn't like. You know, if you made like a Britney one, they wouldn't consult Britney, but that's like a different level. I don't know. It's, you know what I'm saying? Now we're starting to like figure out how to navigate celebrity and status and like who would be involved in their own lifetime movies. But it just seems like, uh, you know, by the end of watching this, you're like, yeah, it makes sense that Corey Feldman would want to like sort of hold on to the spotlight as long as possible and like be involved in a movie about himself coming out on lifetime kind this, of situation. That's the weird that's the weird tongue in cheek thing about this is like they yeah. do all that end part where he's like, Oh man, like I have to make reality T V shows, like I'm trying to make a comeback, like can I get a real movie? And then he also is a writer on this movie. Like isn't Lifetime movies like the whole when he's yeah. talking about like doing Hollywood squares and he's like, that's for like washed up people like isn't writing a lifetime biopic about yourself like pretty much the end of the line for you, bud? <laughs> it's just kind of weird. <laughs> you know what I thought was funny? They didn't even let him play himself. No! His own yes. age but right that, now. But that's the thing. Like, who goes that far? You know, like, who's going to play themselves? And, like, okay. I think you should I, send it. If it gets this silly, like, that's even more fun. Like, I guess. Do it. I guess so. I guess so. But, like, that brings me to something I was going to, like, recommend later at the end of the show. But, like, you know, there was a deadly adoption where, like, Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell made a Lifetime movie and it was completely yeah. tongue in cheek, kind of like, you don't want to start getting into that water with this Almost kind parody. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, That's you true. still need a bit of like a separation. Otherwise, like I can't pay attention. If it's Corey Haim playing himself at like age twelve. Fair. Fair. <laughs> oh no, no, not that. <laughs> that would have been awesome. That's my dream of what this movie could have been. Oh. So Mike, just to correct you on one point, when I, I did yeah. a little bit of research. When they do try to make these celebrity lifetime movies, they will try to get someone in the family to just like sign off on it mm. for one legal reasons and two it's a better selling point right like oh uh the widow of blah 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 like signed off on it and she's here as a producer meanwhile right, right. the problem like i'm not, not reading between the lines well but okay i'll do it but there are some celebrities that they do movies on like biopics on and i'm sure they're throwing cash at just so they can get their seal of approval. Uh, yeah, like the Anna Nicole Smith story, right? Like mm -hmm. th that whole tragedy and everything. However, like it's a money-making scheme, <laughs> you know what I mean? To like exploit that name and everything. So that's sort of the level you get to with some of these family members maybe. It's kind of funny. It's like, oh, we didn't have the rights to the, uh, you know, uh, Matt LeBlanc story. So like we contacted his third uncle's brother, uh, like <laughs> son, and like he signed off on it or something. And this one... In terms of production, I was a little disappointed because 
Joe, we've done this, and I love clicking the director and seeing like what else did the director do. Yeah, this is a this is a weird one where like this is the only Lifetime movie this director has done, and he doesn't direct a lot of things. He directs like a lot of video game stuff. Okay, like cutscenes. No, like uh, shows about video games. Shows about like, video like games. Like game makers or like what was that game shakers on Nickelodeon? What like, like the IG, Mortal Kombat? IGN. Oh, okay, okay. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, this is like a complete. Nobody sounds bad, so I don't want to say that. But it's like a not a, like a someone with a big lifetime track record. Hallmark. We get a lot of Hallmark crossover yeah. usually. Oh, okay. There's a lot of like in-house people. Yeah, it's like they did like 16 Christmas movies in like two years, and then that's it. Yeah, Canada. exactly, exactly, and th- and that's always fun. So that's not here. So I wonder, uh, you know, how they found this guy. His name is just for anyone out there, or maybe he's listening himself. Very curious because he does a lot of editing too. It looks right. like he does a. It looks like he's writing. known. He's known for directing 2012's Prom Night. Is can that be true? Are we going to be seeing him again soon, Brian? Oh my God, what? he's one of two directors for Prom Night 20. No, no. It's oh, that's a three-minute short. Oh my God, yeah, my heart almost short. just fucking jumped out of its <laughs> wow. chest. My, you have no idea how fast they almost bailed. <laughs> oh, it's like, what? How did I miss that? No. Um, yeah, his name is Stephen Huffaker. So, Stephen, if you're out there, hit us up. Right in. Right in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The cast is even more mysterious as well. Like, there was a couple people I recognized. Elijah... Marcano plays young Corey Feldman, and Justin Ellings plays young Corey Haim. Looks like this Elijah Marcano fellow is in like more stuff as an actor, but the young Corey Haim is more known more as a stunt person, which I found was interesting. Whoa. Weird. Okay. Really? Interesting. I, I lost it when they did the uh, casting change for the time jump. Like, yes, wow, was me too. <laughs> me too. I was like, damn. So budget wise like we talk about this you were saying you didn't you weren't like too stoked in the production but like budget wise this is a pretty big budget lifetime movie you had like multiple ages of the same character that we didn't just like pretend we're older i was pretty surprised by this yeah i don't want to sure. i don't want to say it's like scattered with prestige by any means but i recognized a bunch of character actors throughout this you know, like uh, mostly from like the comedy side of yeah. like, yeah. L.A. culture and stuff. But, His dad, yeah, Haim's dad is like that. That guy, I recognize him. Yeah, and uh, Fellman's agent later is John Ennis uh, from uh, Mr. Show. I recognized him. And oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Brian Husky is the one who plays Corey Haim's dad. He's in a bunch of stuff. He was in Veep, and he's like equally a creeper in that show. So it's like <laughs> it's like different here because he's just like a cool, cool dad here, which. Joe, you've taught me on Lifetime. Cool parents never get responsible kids. Like that no. Just, <laughs> the two don't no. go. Absolutely not. But Mike, we kind of talked about this a little bit off air. Keith Coogan, yeah. High Slumber Party legend, plays Marty, one of the child rapists. So Unbelievable. In like the, oh. the scene of the movie, you would say. Just Joe, are you familiar with, with Keith Coogan? No, I don't know who this is. Who is it? Okay. So so like look up Keith Coogan on your phone. He like he was also like like when you were reading Tiger Beat or Teen Beat magazine back then, mm-hmm. you were looking at the Haim pictures, you're looking at the Feldman pictures, and like the fourth or fifth picture would be Keith Coogan. Like yeah, he was also yeah. starring in those kind of movies. He wasn't quite oh. Brat Pack, but he was like John Cryer, probably level status, you know, at some oh, point. And he plays and he plays the chaperone that they like called in for like that one night that he like mm-hmm. seduces 
a really stoned Corey Haim. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's in Adventures in Babysitting. Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Two babysitting films, I know. Kate Hudson loves him. That's one of her favorite, like, teen actors of her era. So it was just funny, again, to see, like, someone who probably was going through similar things. Very similar, I'm sure. Yeah. Be like, I'll be the rapist in this movie. <laughs> or maybe he was like... One of them. I knew that guy. Like, I could play that role. I mean, It's possible, too. It's possible, too. I didn't know this guy's name, but we have to talk about this. The Michael Jackson character here, played by Brandon oh Howard. my God. I did not know how much Michael Jackson was going to be a part of this movie. Crazy. It starts with Michael Jackson on TV, that famous Pepsi commercial. But, but I thought we were just going to get that. Like, just like, hey, Michael Jackson was my inspiration. <laughs> But, like, no, there is many, many times we see Michael Jackson and this guy playing Michael Jackson throughout this film. Shows like that are for people at the end of their careers. You're just getting started. He really wanted to let us know at one point he and Michael Jackson were friends. Yes. And, and they were. So, <laughs> so in the movies, Joe, you'll notice a progression of Corey Feldman where he slowly starts becoming Michael Jackson and incorporating Michael Jackson moves into more and more of his movie roles. So it was interesting to see this here. Like, you know, apparently they were yeah. very close. We've yeah. read a lot of things. There's been, like, conflicting points of when they met. Here it's, it looks like he showed up to a set or whatever. Of the and, Goonies? And they yeah. <laughs> but this guy, I mean, what do you think of uh, Brandon Howard's performance as Michael Jackson? I think he did pretty decent. To play Michael Jackson has to be super hard, right? Because it's like, it's fucking Michael Jackson. Everybody knows who this is and stuff like that. And I was like, the soft-spokenness, like, that was a little played. Corey, right, for Corey, TV. that's how he always talked. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a little South Park. But at the same time, I was <laughs> like... It. Yeah, that's... But I was like, he's not doing it injustice right like yeah. it's like it's it has to be hard to play michael jackson so and harder to play michael jackson as the voice of reason in the movie <laughs> that's like... that's what blew my mind was like it was you know logical you know michael jackson with a head on his shoulders sort of situation but here's okay one thing is this like would people recognize that as michael jackson today instantly I'm not entirely sure. He looks incredibly different than he did just 10 years ago or whatever, right? Like 10 years, 20 years. Like he just, he yeah. always changed the way he looks. So like, I think to play this version of Michael Jackson, I think he did a great job. But like, it just raised in my mind an interesting question. It was like, I immediately right out of the gate was like, holy shit, Michael Jackson's like all over this. But like, it needed to be spelled out. Literally, he comes on the set of Goonies and Corey Feldman is like, are you Michael Jackson? <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. This is just, you know, I'm Michael Jackson from 1985, so that's why I look this way. You know, it's like, yeah. it had to sort of be said. It did. It really, really did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but other um, than that, I think he nailed it. I think he did great. I love the scene at Neverland where he's like, I tried to talk to your dad, but he just wouldn't listen. It's like, bullshit. <laughs> like, Michael Jackson calls you up in 1990, and, and, and like... The day, the day before he dies, he calls you up. You're going to do whatever the fuck he says. Believe me. Like, he just... It's Michael Jackson on the other line. Give me a break, Corey's dad. Corey Feldman has gone to court to defend Michael Jackson, like, in in these kind of, you know, child sex cases. Oh, did he? He said he oh, didn't yeah. do it? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's had only, his back, like, since day one, I think. Only recently, like, in the last two or three years, has he said, I swear he didn't do anything. He never came on to me. But perhaps he was being a little creepy. Like, only recently he said that. Um, I think he realized in retrospect what most people did is that he was just more sort of like child 
like I think that was part of it, right? The whole Peter Pan. But he was diddling though. Thing. I mean, come on, we knew he was diddling. Like there was... <laughs> I don't know. You don't know it's, for sure. It, <laughs> I don't know. Look, but it's something, and, and this is a great thing to talk about because uh, we're going to bring someone up a little bit later who is controversial in this film and as well, and where people have said different things about this person. Let's talk about just our favorite moments here, interesting stuff. Okay. And the first thing I'm going to say, I love the music in this. They use, like, sound-alikes of real music plus these, like, I don't know, 80s-ish songs that like really get me into it. There's like a there's like a theme specifically for this. I don't know. Like in terms of like the production value there, I'm happy they did that. Even though again, I know the real musicians aren't singing these songs. I'm totally yeah. fine with it. I mean, I love all lifetime soundtracks and they're always like a very interesting like Rachel just brought up about Kingpin Pimp the other day. We were, <laughs> we were talking about, you know, take it off, take it all off. So, I mean, I don't think there was like original songs in this like more scory but yeah i i definitely always love the soundtracks too you got to pay attention to those yeah absolutely it was a great way to sort of chart the years as well and tell the progression of time and stuff but uh totally immersed me back in that age you know i didn't even need the little title card that said 1984 because i feel like they did a really good job of uh of selling all that kind of stuff and pre-meeting we see a lot of stuff that mike you and i have talked about you know uh, Corey, he's first. Corey, yeah, Brian, pick which one. <laughs> Corey Haim. Corey Haim is having that Canadian, you know, upbringing. We see Corey Haim's parents, and they seem a little bit more put together at they this seem point. Put together, yeah. Also, was his mom like Eastern European, or did oh. they just like cast an Eastern European woman to yeah. play her? her she her just dropped her coming in and yeah. out. Yeah, she just dropped it at the by the end of the movie. I feel like they shot this in sequence, and at the end, she's like, "I just can't keep up this accent anymore. The French Canadian was coming through so hard." Let's yeah. see. But, she but is. She seems like I got. I got a feeling that she was more like. A Russian bride to his mm, dad. That's weird. <laughs> that's the accent that I was getting, and I can't oh. tell if it was the actress or his mom was supposed to be this, or what was going on. I was getting more oh. of like that sort of like a French vibe off her, to be honest. But that's interesting. You say more of like a European kind of. Th- regardless, we just we both did not believe that she was playing like a North American. I guess we can say. You know, uh, she was trying to do a Canadian accent at some points. What is a Canadian accent, though? Honestly, no offense. Aside from saying, there was like, not enough of boots. Saying a, a. to be Canadian, yeah, say, there wasn't you can any tell. of these. You can, you can hardly tell, though. No, I didn't even oh, realize. On. I didn't even realize we were in Canada, Brian. I, I forgot, and when I they, thought we were in like no, Indiana. Oh no, something. we don't hear it here, but there there are very yeah, you can tell accents. because we hear game. it in Lifetime movies, what we our Hallmark movies that we watch. Yeah, watch a hockey game. Watch like SCTV characters. Sure, but okay. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I thought you were denying the existence of it. No, no, no. Accent. Not that it doesn't exist, but I'm just saying, like for a Lifetime movie, like I don't know. <laughs> well, a lot of them are a lot of them are shot. Oh, okay. That makes the Hallmark ones. Yeah, that would be like. Okay. Very Canadian. I'm not trying to be confrontational about it. It just, for some reason, like, her accent Being confrontational up... about a Canadian accent is the most un-Canadian <laughs> thing you could have done, Mike. Just the fact that, like, it all just came from the fact that, like, I feel like the actress just totally dropped it by, the, by halfway yes, through the movie. Yes, the in and out. The in and out is what I was talking about. She's European of some sort. I see, like, down credit things on her IMDb that are in a different language. So... Cool. Yeah, 
right on the money right there. You know, she... Okay. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> she was almost Corey Haim's mom, like, notoriously no, no, Eastern European, no, is what no, I was no, asking. Not, no, 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 not no. at all. Not okay. at all. It's just a lifetime acting choice. They're just definitely not Canadian, because they did not apologize once for finding drugs in his room, and I was <laughs> severely disappointed by this. They just brought him out and said, look what we found. They didn't say, sorry, I was in your room. Nothing. <laughs> It's true. It was pooking around. <laughs> it's pook, pooking around. Yeah, exactly. They both have elements of being stage parents, especially Feldman's mom. Yeah. Who's just like into drugs and is just like, you work so I can pay for my <laughs> Dude, drugs. She's, she's amazing. Like, I want her movie. You know, she's going to check out like Guns N' Roses that night. Like, it's oh, that yeah. kind of vibe. And his dad, his dad is like, Okay, so he's the guy from Boogie Nights that Mark Wahlberg played, but all grown up. Like, he's basically like <laughs> that guy. Like, I love it. It's so funny. Did his dad steal all of his money, by the way? Was this, like, a common known thing? Because he, he kind of excuses mm-hmm. it here. Like, it might have been himself spending it all on cocaine. But it seems like his dad spent all of his money, right? I, I think that's yeah. the case. I think it was a common. I think it was more common than not that like parents would hold on to your money until you turned of age, unless you like took them to court and and you know which he did, which, <laughs> which he, he did. which a lot of child actors I feel like ended up doing as well. And then like once you get to court, yeah, like your parents suck you dry for everything you got because they know you're just going to end up making it back. And unfortunately, that emancipation thing was something that these corrupt uh, managers would push on them too because it's like oh parents out of the way now i can kind of weasel my way in so it's not like oh i'm emancipated now i'm rich you know there's always like another leech there unfortunately just early on i do want to get into some of these film roles because we've talked about these movies in the last couple weeks so on the Corey haim side they show his breakout in lucas and mike you and i have discussed how the character of Corey Haim on screen was supposedly very different than the character of Corey Haim yeah. in real life. Yeah. And you see that here, right? Oh, like, yeah. So, Joe, the two Corey's trope is that, like, Corey Haim was, like, more of, like, the nerdy, nice guy of the Corey's, and the Feldman oh, was, like, the best boy. friend who's yeah. kind of pushing him to do the thing. Like, right. like License to Drive, he's like, oh, first night out with your license? Let's drive somewhere. Like, that's Feldman asking Haim. But in real life, apparently, it wasn't like that. And like I said, we see it here. and Because even when he's on the set of Lucas, he's not exactly... He's a little more shy than he gets later, but he's not exactly like that character. Because he says like a line to Carrie Green, which, by the way, Carrie Green, Mike, noticed, did not have red hair. Yeah, actually. what's up with that? Such bullshit. <laughs> Such bullshit. Like, it's literally the scene from the movie. And, and, the and no one... Brightest, yeah, brightest red hair you can think of. <laughs> and and no, they could not do that. They couldn't cast a Carlos Estevez for one scene. We get, like, some guy with Whoa. his back turned that could be him, right? Mike, Mike, but th- this is what I was going to get into. Uh-oh, uh-oh, don't tell me this. Uh-oh. No, at the point of this movie... <laughs> so, little context here. Yes. Corey Feldman has claimed the first time he was raped... Sorry, the first time that Corey Haim was raped was on the set of Lucas. Yes. Corey Haim's mom claimed it was on the set of Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which we didn't talk about. I forgot to mention it, Mike. Well, so. that was a Feldman movie, not a not a Haim movie. Though. Sorry, 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 sorry. One of the guys that Feldman worked with there... I see. ...is apparently Corey Haim's rapist. It's a whole thing that, like, I think Corey Haim's mom blames a little bit of Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman says... It's it's a whole it's a whole complicated thing. It happened thing. before I got here. 
it's okay. a situation. I don't know the answer to it. It's very confusing. There's a Corey, lot of he said, she said kind of stuff. Corey yeah. Feldman has claimed that Corey Haim's mom is the head of like an organization that's defending all these child rapists. I don't know how plausible that is. Conspiracy, man. What the hell? So point is, they released this movie and Corey Feldman was like, I cannot reveal his rapist yet. So when this came out, Mike, it was not revealed who that rapist accused was. Okay. It's because he was writing a book and in the book, he claimed that Charlie Sheen, who's in Lucas, was Corey Haim's rapist. Really? Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen has denied it. Corey Haim's mom, Corey Haim's sister, have both emphatically said that it's absolutely not true. Most people have, like, defended Charlie Sheen, which is rare, but Corey Feldman says it's a conspiracy <laughs> to, you know, not get this secret out that Charlie Sheen is the person who initially raped Corey Haim. So, Mike, that's why I have to excuse them for not making someone look like Charlie yes, Sheen there. Yes, yes, no. Makes perfect sense now. Yep, uh-huh, I get it. Because they didn't know and they couldn't, like, imply... If they implied that, they would have been sued before, like, Corey For sure. F- Feldman said anything. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm not mean. I don't mean they, they should have implied that Charlie Sheen was the abuser. I'm just saying there's a there's a scene where a bunch of extras are throwing a football oh, around oh, and one no. of them <laughs> is supposed to be Kerry Green and I'm like, why couldn't one of those people be a Charlie Sheen or something? Like, that's more where I would sort of heading but it makes sense that they wouldn't want him portrayed anywhere near this mm-hmm. you know what i mean if that was going that's on the reveal yeah 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 because yeah, one of the dudes was like a latin guy in like the <laughs> in the shot and there's definitely none of that oh yeah Lucas. yeah and he's like you know clearly in like his late 50s or something i don't know <laughs> the rapist guy yeah yeah so, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. oh i see what you mean like oh yeah the, the extra that was playing football yeah he wasn't anywhere in lucas <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, either they didn't do their research or they didn't care on, like, the Lucas set. But that was, like, a big reveal here. Heavy, that w- heavy. We got later that's that's super heavy. So I just I wanted to segue quickly in terms of the Michael Jackson thing. Like, some people have defended him. Some people say he's a rapist. In terms of Charlie Sheen, I just saw Kid 90. Have, it, have either of you seen that? On oh, yeah. the Soleil Moon Fry? Not yet. Yeah, Soleil Moon Fry, Punky Brewster. When she was a kid from, like, 14 to, like, 20, essentially, she recorded everything on a camcorder. So they cut it together, Ooh. and she talks about a lot of this. And she she also saved all her voicemails ever. Um, Whoa. So it's a, How? So it's a, so it's like a really cool... cassette tapes? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like, because, uh, I mean, she didn't have a voicemail, so it was probably, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, answering so answering machine, machine tapes. Yeah, tapes. Answering machine okay, tapes, cool. Yeah. So they play a lot of them. They play a lot of this footage. And she actually lost her virginity to Charlie Sheen. First of all, she says he was the sweetest guy in the world. He used to take her to baseball games. Hmm. And there's voicemails they play of him, and he sounds really compassionate and really nice. I'm not saying he Hmm. couldn't have also raped Corey Haim. I'm not that naive. But it is just crazy to think about. And Corey Feldman, there's footage of him in, in Kid 90 as well, like all these celebrities at the time, Brian Austin Green, people like that. But it just goes to show you that, like, a, either you just meet a different side of someone, or and yeah. just B, I don't know who to trust. I mean, and there's like a lot of drugs involved, so then it's like very messy. For sure, for sure. Like <sighs> once you involve drugs, like, I mean, 
I have stories that are just like, I don't remember any of what you just said to me because <laughs> there was drugs involved. Yeah. So, like, you could be telling the truth, you could not be telling the truth, and I was there. Yeah. So I don't even know. And, you know, not to go darker or anything beyond that, but, like, we don't actually know exactly what happened in that trailer. There there could be bigger threats, right? Like, it could be like, you tell anybody about this, we'll kill your family kind of stuff. Like, this is Hollywood. This is, you know, yeah. super big money, powerful people kind of stuff dealing with, like, a little scared kid sort of situation so like yeah you know it's sort of beyond rational thinking sometimes but not knowing the story i really thought in that scene when he's like hey like have you ever like kissed a girl i thought that he was gonna like show him how to like to force himself on her oh like when they when they went into the trailer yeah i thought that that's what they were like leading us to because like i don't know the backstory so when he's like oh like i'll show you how you do it like yeah. there's, there's men and there's boys in this place see as soon and as then, he was like boys club girls club i was like oh that's like icky code for like you know like uh boys only kind of stuff let me let you in on a little secret about hollywood there's a girls club there's a boys club you want to be in the boys club, don't you? Yeah, and that's and then like he opened the trailer and I was like, "Oh no, no, no. I thought he was going to he was going to convince him to force himself on the girl, not that he was going to force himself on Corey. We get into it fast in terms of like in terms of everything, everything. Children being <laughs> Dude, raped and Corey Feldman with a fucking gun in his mouth. Oh my god. Instantly. Jesus Christ, yes. In flashbacks when he when he says like Oh, are you still a virgin to Corey Feldman? And then he's like, "Well, what was your first time like?" And he like flashes oh back god. to the trailer. I was like, "We didn't need to do that." Like Rachel's like, "Oh my god!" Like yeah, audibly, like in the house. Like, what the <laughs> fuck was that? Like, why did we need to see that again? That's what's so sort of weird about this one is like it's so sexually charged. This movie, and I think it's because like as teenagers when you're when you're hormonal and you're going through puberty like sex is definitely on your mind right but like this feels like the time of a generation where like they were really selling sex to kids like mtv and things like that and just like being more adult than your age was kind of in vogue i guess uh you know during the 80s and 90s uh kind of thing so like it just seemed like a lot of Corey Haim's portrayal was just like not sex obsessed necessarily but like very sex sexually centered on like his way of thinking you know stuff like pleasure and stuff it's always just like that's his baseline for like everything when it comes down to it which you know we don't know if it was like accurate or whatever but like for this character like that was not expecting that especially Brian after like what we've been, what we've been saying they were no more for their on-screen portrayals as than they were for their off-screen, and it almost appears like they were opposite, right? Like they were reverse, yeah. playing each other on screen or something. Yeah, I, it's so. I don't know. Again, I just I'm fascinated with how it's linked to almost Mike everything we've heard, and this is like validation's a bad word for it, but I don't know. I, I, well, you know well, what I'm saying? Well, well, yeah, because at times it felt like they wrote the script with IMDb open. Like, just look yes. at the trivia, <laughs> you know? That's the best way to put it. Don't go writing scripts like that, based, basing biopics on, on IMDb pages and things, you know? Hopefully you're, you're talking to credible sources along the way and stuff. But, like, I mean, you know, it is entertaining on that level. Definitely is entertaining. That's for sure. <laughs> What's the first movie we see with Feldman? 
think he's reading Goonies? he's reading for Goonies when his mom is sort of making his yeah. Okay. So yeah. he's reading for Goonies. We see that. That that's kind of cool cuz that's where we meet Michael Jackson or whatever. But we have to really talk about their meet cute. And I'm going to call it a meet cute, right? Like one of the Corys calls the other Cory, and it's like, hey, we're going to be in Lost Boys whoa, together. Whoa, 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 whoa. One of the Corys doesn't just call the other Cory. One of the Corys is in the bathtub Saves. with a gun in his mouth. Okay. No, I know, yes. I know. <laughs> Set the stage. <laughs> he saves him from suicide. It was the call that saved my life. The day I, I met my I other really half. Thought that was gonna be, I really thought that was going to be high. I'm the movie star, guys. You're going to be a movie star now. Do you want to be a movie star? Like, I thought that that's what that recording was going to be. It being the other Corey to save his life, I didn't see that coming. So I was I was excited about that. And I'd never heard of this pre-Lost Boys meeting. There's, like, stuff that said they might have bumped into each other auditions since they were going out for, like, similar things, and they'd heard of each other. And everything I read is they met on the set of the Lost Boys. But here, it looks like it's right before. <laughs> they get their dads together to... To play a beach football in a yeah. very long scene, all things considered, so right? Long. Why didn't why, <laughs> why didn't we ever hear about this private beach dads versus Corey's football day? This is the best day of his life, apparently. In retrospect. <laughs> okay, so let me get this straight. Your name is Corey. My name is Corey. You're an actor. <laughs> I'm an actor. Looking back on it, that was the best time of my life. Well, think about it. One of them likes 22. The other one likes 222. They're both Hey, Jewish, we've almost Jewish. got the same they... number. We've got the same first name. We're, we're the same. But you know, come on, don't even play that up. Because like, you know that it doesn't take much for you to be friends as a little nope, boy. It takes nothing. I had two friends named Mike. They were my best friends for like three years. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> In like kindergarten through third grade. You know, of course. Takes nothing. You did one thing in common, and the rest of you just falls in line. That's it. I was surprised to see how early on, as we said, like, the drugs, like... Immediately. Immediately, yeah. like, hi- yeah. highlighting, like, he already has, like, the weed packed in the the pipe, you know, that he has, like, hidden under. So he's already using that as coping mechanisms as as Lifetime How old was us. Corey Haim during this, by the way? I meant to ask you, because at one point they say Corey Feldman was 16, but it felt like Corey Haim might have been a little younger... Was he? Uh, I think they're around the same age, but this movie goes from like I would say fourteen. The teen years are like from fourteen to like eighteen, nineteen. Okay, so prime teen years. That's most of the movie. If you look at the timestamp, we're like an hour twenty minutes as teens, and then sorry, an hour as teens, and then the last twenty minutes as adults. Yeah, yeah. Just for our sake, Mike. Yeah. Just seeing them get together like this was like total validation, and then just the fact that they're friends, that they're going out together, they're talking about girls, they're both. Interested in Robin Lively, Teen Witch herself. <laughs> I, I thought that Which was they, cool. Which they will do a movie, Dream a Little Dream 2, with her. So Very true. I guess they were friends. I don't know. I don't know. But the Keith Coogan scene... Which oh boy, it's on the set of Lost Boys, right? Because it's like they, they're gone to they've gone to Santa Cruz, yeah, and they're gonna film Lost Boys, and they you know uh, they get a new manager. Well, I guess it's Feldman's manager. Feldman wants to go through the lines, but Hames Hames just wants to get fucked up or whatever bong rips yeah yeah huge bong rips and find women and when this guy just shows up he's like oh this is the new chaperone okay whatever and he's like hey if you want to if you want to have sex whatever just have sex with this chaperone that showed up and and he's like okay well we could do that if you want like and then it, and then it just like it just progresses to that i'm like there was no grooming here at all it was just like hey i'm gonna whisper in your ear and then cory ham's like okay let's go to the bathroom whoa 
this scene is so messed up on so many levels because like ultimately the way I read it is that like Corey Haim is just he's just gay like there's nothing wrong with that either but like that's how this bisexual or bisexual like that's the way it's Corey Feldman sort of a view of the situation that is like makes him seem sort of like I don't know like a bigot or something right like not that this is a safe I don't want to try and get that across that this is like a safe situation because they're minors and this guy doesn't seem to be a a minor, right? No, he's old. He's way older and creepy and stuff. Like there is definitely all that going on for sure. I'm not excusing any of this like behavior and stuff. It's just the perspective of this scene is off, you know, like this needs to be way more dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Like it needs to be threatening from the start. Like, Corey Feldman jokingly does like sarcastically says we'll just have sex with that guy if you're so horny like and then Corey Haim is kind of like yeah I think I will you know Uh, and it just seems irresponsible for this to come back as the focal sort of moment for kind of both of them to be like the crux of their deteriorating friendship and everything I think you can show it to be like oh this is someone we trusted but they they just met him they just met this guy and then the crackhead mom was like the one that got him like he was like my mom thought this would be a good chaperone like so that's what i was gonna say like that they didn't depict that they didn't show that this guy had been there oh this is a family friend you know what i mean like they should like they should have shown him earlier like oh this is a guy we trust and then he betrays their trust that turn happens in 30 seconds (laughs) milliseconds yeah It's insane. It's so Lifetime. It's just, like, wild. Well, we see in Lifetime, like, in a lot of these things, like, a real sinister characters. And I almost give them credit for making this guy not necessarily, like, a creepy guy in the shadows. But you can't just roll into it like it's nothing. So, yeah. I don't know. It didn't feel like this was the scene full of consequence when, in fact, it's the scene. You know, like, that's the way it kind of... Yeah, because when it comes back as a right. and he's yelling at him, like, oh, I knew you knew him and you let that happen. Yeah. It's like, uh... Like, I just <laughs> imagine what, like, you know, a writer and a director could have done. I thought that he was saying that, that it was, like, the, the, the other chaperone was the guy that was doing it. But he was talking about this chaperone, like, the first one that the mom picked out. Well, both, and both of these guys, both of their, like, crimes are public. One is a convicted pedophile. The other one's been accused by a lot of people. might even be dead or something like that. I I forgot. But the two guys they really focus on, these two, you know, chaperones and slash managers, are actual people who have confirmed to to really, really do this. Okay. How about what's happening while this rape is being occurred, when when Feldman just, like, starts walking on the streets of Santa Clara? Very, very Lost Boys-esque. And he gets gets picked up by a girl who pretends she doesn't know who he is, but then she she has a great line. When they're in her apartment, she goes, I can't believe I'm doing coke with Mouth. Can't believe I'm doing coke with Mouth. And Mouth is his character named from the Goonies. I'm like, that's crazy. Yes, it's awesome. I was like, man, that is, that's the way to do it. This is living the dream right there. Yeah, it's an amazing scene. Unfortunately, I don't believe it ever happened for a second. Like, Corey Feldman. Because Corey Feldman just goes wandering out of his hotel room, hitchhikes, hitchhikes, you know, down the coast. And like, what we find out later to be a Playboy model just like picks him up. Like out of nowhere. No, no, that wasn't the Playboy. Oh, that wasn't okay. Well, she looks like a, she's a, yeah. she's gorgeous anyway. She was a, this gorgeous girl just like pulls up, 
says, jump in my car, takes him home, does blow, they have sex, like... Yeah, talk this... about UFOs. <laughs> Don't forget they talk about UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about UFOs. Mike, like, Mike I, I believe it happened in It's a in fantasy. This. I don't know. No, that happened. That 100% happened. I believe it happened in this way. A, she probably wasn't as pretty as that girl. B, I agree. He's just walking. I don't necessarily think he was walking on like a lonely Santa Cruz like highway. I think he probably went out to like the center of town and was walking around. What's that movie? God. God. There was a horror movie that came out recently that takes place in Santa I uh, keep saying Santa Clara, Santa Cruz. Apologies, Santa Claritans and Santa, Cru- Santa Cruzians. I messed your towns up. But in Santa Cruz, there's a movie that takes place recently, a horror movie. It's a Jordan Peele one, and I totally forgot the name. Oh, Us. Us, yes, Us. And they they mentioned mm. that The Lost Boys is filming there. And from doing my research, when The Lost Boys was filming in Santa Cruz, it was huge news. Like, the town was all over it. So I'm sure this girl uh. knows who's in this movie. And she saw him. Okay, Starfucker. And, okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> not, He's portraying not Starfucker, it. but an opportunist. Yeah. Okay. But well, like I'm gonna. To I'm, do you, I mean, yeah, like the one to hook him on blow for the get him to do blow for the first time. Like that's gotta be you know a page in her autograph book, right? Like I don't know. <laughs> and I don't yeah. know. If he, I don't know if he necessarily did it for the first time there either. Who knows? Right. But. That I don't believe for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, did you like seeing uh, someone playing Joel Schumacher as the director? That was crazy. That was wild. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know of Joel. Sch- I've never seen Joel Schumacher like lose his shit on it. Also, again, R.I.P. Joel Schumacher uh, directed Cage a few times, but like uh, that was wild. Just not. We don't just see him. We see a, a Joe Dante in here somewhere as well. Like, it's so cool to see the on-set stuff. Yeah, yeah, and he almost gets fired, but. He's able to recover from that. That's a, uh, I don't know. I, like you said, I loved seeing the onset stuff. So I, I wrote a bunch of stuff down that I really, really wanted oh, yeah. to talk about. You're hitting all the highlights for me too. So go ahead. The next scene I really wanted to talk about was, I think it happens right after, a little bit after, where they go to this 80s club and Corey Haim is like talking up what Feldman did. He's like, he told the director he couldn't fire him. A lot of pretty women around. And, they play that song of it. Oh, they're like, oh, show him your moves. And he dances to Michael Jackson. He dances Michael Jackson moves to a non-Michael Jackson song. It's that song that's like, you don't have to take your clothes off. You know that song? <laughs> yes, and, yes. But yes. It's, a, it's a sound alike. And just like the lights in this club and how little people are in this club because it's Lifetime. You know, it, it, it's a... Uh, well, it's a beautiful. bougie L.A. club that it, that it doesn't have that many people because apparently you can just do any drug you want in the bathroom at all times. I guess this is, pre, is this pre-Viper Room or maybe it's like around that sort of zone? or that. It's zone. probably in that era, but this is like, I, I think even a couple movies we've covered, Joe, has used this like club set, I feel like. Go to the big Us? city. Yeah, there's one club. Is yeah. this is this the uh, Pizza is, Gelato? Pizza Gelato is in every Lifetime movie. <laughs> yes. Is this like the start of just the fucking binging drug montage? That I mean, because they are railing lines like no tomorrow in, in well, this movie. It's this, and then the Playboy, like when they first go to the Playboy Mansion, which is cool too. Uh, but like okay. also weird. It's like, hey, 
Let's bring this teenager to the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. This is cool. yeah, I love how they did not film at the Playboy Mansion. They're like, is there a mansion anywhere in like this section of Canada? Any mansion whatsoever, please? Did you see like at, I think it was the later Playboy party, but it might have been this one. They had a couple of Hugh Hefner shots of like. Oh uh, yeah, no. I saw yeah. Hugh in the background. Yeah, <laughs> I was a little Just... upset that they didn't use the X Men Mansion because I think that's like. In Canada, if I'm not, I don't know. It could be in Westchester. Whatever. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Mike, the the montage you're talking about is the one with the, that's spoken over, where you're just like, we had everything: acid, shrooms, crack, crack, crack. Yeah, it ends with crack. goes right to crack. And then and then they they pull up to the back of the Chinese food restaurant, and they're like, and then the mother load heroin. I was like, wait, what? You could get the yeah, heroin but... with a number two? <laughs> what? They call yeah, it number uh, chiva. Two egg roll. <laughs> A little Pork bit cheaper. fried rice. Yeah, some smack. I liked how if you looked at the pictures of them after every drug they mentioned, it would it's like something in a health textbook. When they said shrooms, it was like shroom face, you know. Like. Yes, 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 yes. I know, I know. I loved it too. And it was like crack, and it was like dark, dirty warehouse, yeah. like one chair, and you're sitting alone. Again, I don't mean to laugh at their... We're laughing at more of the lifetime aspects. We're not laughing of course, at, yeah. at, dro- at child rape and things like that. Well, that's the that's the thing. Like, is this lifetime territory? Like, it got, it got like, increasingly yes. uncomfortable because it felt like they were trying... Not that they couldn't handle it. Like, I think they did an amazing job with this movie for, for what it's worth. But it did feel like they were a little, maybe, like, kind of out of their league a little bit. Like, it's a lot, man. Like, they have the parental advisory, but there's just so much drugs. There's way more. I knew there were going to be a lot of drugs, but there were way more drugs than I was expecting. There's, like, a lot yeah. more, like... Explicit drugs, too. Like, usually we get, like, hints of, like, somebody's doing the drugs. And there's, like, they come out of the bathroom looking weird. This was, like, no. lines everywhere. Yeah. Corey Haim does, like, a 12-foot rail that, like would kill me like what the fuck like instant heart attack come on well he pretty much does have an instant heart attack that's where he sits on the bathroom floor and he's like i'm gonna die here yeah (laughs) crazy before we talk about the burbs mike which i want to discuss with you as as a hanks oh my god yes 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 Uh, one thing i i forgot to mention but it happens a couple times here that i really want to talk to you about joe was the fake teen newspapers that'll come out occasionally, Ooh. like Tiger Rad or, or like I forgot Tiger names, Rad, yeah, yeah, Tiger Rad is one of them. But there's a couple others that were just like Corey headlines, just like coming on the screen. Like you and I, in the next ten minutes, could make those teen newspapers. <laughs> oh, or, or magazines. Absolutely. Or <laughs> this is and this is like what did we had one with a fake Facebook in it too? Yeah, and I was like, this is incredible. Like, yeah, this this would be my favorite part of being in the writers' room. Like this would be like one of those things would be like we're gonna need some fake headlines and like I would just look at you and we'd be like we got this yeah like you know like we'll take that part that's okay and then we're like ha, 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 just in the back just like screwing around drunk at night making these headlines that that's exact that's my dream that's what I want to be <laughs> if I had a magic wand and I could put you in a career it would be in that room and you'd be the guy known for that like oh there's a there's a nature magazine that needs to be created with the parents, and it's an excuse for why they leave. Joe, get on this. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I want. Just to get, or like the commercial that the that he watches to like be inspired to try heroin for the first time. Like, can you make that commercial? Be like, yes, I can. I can absolutely make that commercial. It sounds like a, like a wet fever dream for me. That's perfect. 
So, guys out there, if you haven't seen the movie, you probably can figure out what's happening. We're just going through scenes of their life, and they're getting more and more into drugs. And, unfortunately, you know, the parents are becoming shittier and shittier. Yes. And their guardians are raping them. Like, like, I'm trying to be more nice about it, but that is what's happening, right? Like, Yeah, that's the tilter of it, for sure. Uh, there's the dad, and uh, you know he uses all his funds on his rock stuff, and he's like, "Yeah, you're not the only Feldman with talent in this family, <laughs> in the entertainment business." Yeah. yeah, you're like, "Bro, come on, dude! You just you're you're an old man with a band that's playing to no one in California. Like nobody gives a fuck about Corey Feldman's dad's band." Yeah, go hang out with like Al Pacino's brother and like you know John Travolta's yeah. sister. I don't know, like. <laughs> The Hames are getting divorced, and the mom and the sister go back, and the dad and him stay. No, the other way around. Oh, sorry, sorry. The dad and the sister go back. The mom and him stay in L.A. What's up with that real quick? You know, my parents got divorced later in life and stuff, so, like, I don't... I Choosing, like, a parent... Like, it just seems so weird. That seems so 80s and, like, a Lifetime movie in and of no. itself. No, they pitch it, like... Because your sister's going back to school in Canada, mm-hmm. and like one parent has to go with her, and because you're an actor here, uh, an actor okay. who's an actor who's out of control, mind you. Right. Yes. It, it made it seem like you broke up the family, and I have to watch over you in Los Angeles now, and your sister and father like have I think one, I mean, nothing kind to of. do. I think that's how he felt. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it, was, it was a contributing factor. I'm not like blaming him, but. LA's not for everyone, obviously, especially this kind of LA lifestyle. And his mom was a very, very even today, as we mentioned, Corey Corey Feldman and the mom, you know, says she's a part of a conspiracy. I don't know if I buy that, but regardless, his mom was like the most important person in his life. Right. Okay. <laughs> but Mike, I do want to just take a quick segue into the burbs here. Oh my god. So that's uh that's the scene where he's walking out of the house, uh, Feldman, and he just can't deliver his lines. And he's we... fucked. Yes, yeah, yeah. and he, he's trashed. Like, you and I could walk on set and deliver the lines better than he is. I knew I, the line by the end of the scene. <laughs> For sure. Did you see, Mike, the uh, fake Tom Hanks actor judging him in the corner? No, I didn't know that was supposed to be Hanks. Yeah, I just yeah, looked on IMDb. We need to pay attention for this. Mike, we needed to give uh, you, like, a little debriefing before uh, we did this movie. you got to watch out honestly. for stuff like that. For for real, man, that was crazy. Although, like, I was looking for Dick Miller because there's an amazing clip. I think it's on YouTube, and Dick Miller is like a legendary character actor, um, and like he plays the garbage man in that movie. And there's a scene where he's sharing the screen with Corey Feldman, and Feldman is like fucking around before a take, and he just puts that kid in his fucking place in two seconds. It is some of the most amazing behind-the-scenes footage I'd ever seen. That's so awesome. I was hoping, so I was glad to see. That like, yeah, it was not that I was glad to see that he was having problems on set, but that was just more of that sort of like, I don't even want to call it validation, but just that like, oh, yeah, yeah. That, you know what I mean? Like it, it did feel like that I was like, oh, I've heard that he was being a jerk off on that set, but I guess it's, oh, it's sort of a half truth. Like he had a drug problem and, you know, that's yeah. what was up. And then we get their conversation with the late Carrie Fisher on set uh, oh, she was in the movie as well also they had it they had to tell you it was carrie fisher because they wrote carrie real big on the back of a chair and then he calls her <laughs> princess leia mad yeah, disrespect yeah. to the princess in this movie man they just <laughs> they did not want to hear it look she's someone who went through it i don't know i feel like this is something that feldman contributed to the script because unless carrie fisher wrote about it in like her book or something you know but how else would like 
this becomes such a big deal. And the older character cites her as like, that was the first time he's like, oh, I need to get sober or whatever. Um, you yeah. know, she did it. She was a child star. She seems like, yeah, she seems like she was in the right place and like actually was an inspiration in his life, right? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, think, according to this movie. I, yeah, because I think... Yeah, according to this movie. I think this is after, like, you know, she, I think she's she famously wrote Postcards from the Edge and uh, Meryl Streep played her in that movie and it's about, like, her recovery and all that, you know, that whole situation in her life. And so I think this is when she was, like, on the other side of it for a while, right? And, like, kind of doing the more, like, going around and telling people, like, inspiring them to, like, you know, not give up and go to rehab and that whole kind of situation. So, I mean, I could actually see this not being sort of, like, made up. I could actually see her being on set, being like, I could smell mm-hmm. it a mile away, you know? And I'm sure she yeah, wasn't like, this ginger. Yeah, and there's no way she was this ginger with it either. She was probably, like, yelling at him and cursing him out and doing the Carrie Fisher thing. Like a, like a tough love kind of way. Right, yeah. that's it, yeah. So two other movies I want to discuss quickly that we see or are referred to here. We do get... The whole tension with the License to Drive thing that, Mike, you and I talked about on the License to Drive episode, that one of the many roles that both of them went out for, that Corey Haim just started getting all of them. And in here it says, like, oh, his mom put him up for it, but it was kind of one of these things. It felt shitty. I get it. It was competition in Hollywood. But it seems like that was something that really irked Feldman at the time and probably still to this day. And like I said, it was just Haim playing the awkward lead character and Feldman being the the best friend who's trying who wears sunglasses and is trying to get you to do something. And uh yeah, I mean good little allusion to license to drive. We didn't see license to drive stuff, but once again, validation with that. We also hear Mike that Dream a Little Dream was a bomb and that's kind of leads to their breakup. <laughs> yeah. And this at this point I need to mention the wig work. Like Corey Feldman's wigs are just getting like more and more outrageous <laughs> and preposterous to the point where it's like Dream a Little Dream is just like, man, this is why what is going on? Just put a mop on his head or something. <laughs> Anything else in the teen chapter that you guys want to discuss or talk about or i felt this was actually a really interesting movie in the sense that it was a nice blend of like a dramatic lifetime movie and then also just pure chaos with all the like <laughs> random drug scenes and stuff and i was like i knew it was a lifetime movie i knew it was gonna be a biopic but i didn't know the story and when it came out like as i'm watching through it i'm like yeah, they, they definitely lifetimed this up a lot, and that, that worked for me. Like, they'd put the nice, as Mike said, like, lifetime lens on it, and I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted. That's It's really awesome. There was parts that I was screaming at the TV about and stuff like that, and I was like, yeah, that's just, this is where I wanted to be. Okay, so I was going to I was gonna ask, because as someone not familiar with the story, like, did it, so it kept you in, you were, like, following along and ex- I don't want to say excited, but interested to continue? Yeah, uh, but, like, I knew that they were alluding to, to Corey Haim dying. I didn't know that they were going to take his ass out with pneumonia. Right, right. Like, like, what a <laughs> bitch-ass way to go for such a badass dude. Like, pneumonia got him. Wow, it, that it, really sucks. You, you almost want them to change it for the movie to be murdered because, like, that's the only thing this is missing is a dead body, like, in that capacity. Like, the Corey's... Murder od I yeah, thought he was just looking at, like, he met up with him, he was like, that was a great day, and then he, like, relapsed and died. If this wasn't a true story, that's how it would have happened. Yeah, because you almost expect it to get out that the Corey's killed someone and, like, buried the body and got away with it. You know, like, not... 
it just seems like if they're gonna go and like lifetime it, like that's the one thing missing, right? But, but it yeah, didn't but happen. Feldman, so. Feldman would have never <laughs> let that happen. You know, like, he clearly they definitely the... buried a body at the beach where they played football. That's <laughs> for sure. Which dad? Which of their dads? <laughs> Both. <laughs> Both of their dads are just side by side with like the Nerf ball, just like <laughs> oh, man. on their chest. <laughs> did this to us. What did you like about or dislike or whatever about this final? I guess the, the final adult chapter. First of all, did you like how they looked, the the older Corys compared to the younger Corys? I, yeah. I don't know what they were supposed to look like. I know mm. what older Cory older Corey Feldman looks like, and they made him like a lot less run down. Like yes. they picked like a more like wholesome looking guy, and they really like Corey Haim. Like I don't again, I don't know what he looked like when he was older. But, like, it felt like they picked, like, a dude that looked, like, washed, right? Like, they right. gave him, like, the worst example of what he looked like. A hundred percent. They really made it seem like, as we said, that Feldman got sober, really got his act together, and just, you know, he was married with a kid. And even though, again, they mention it, that marriage took place on The Surreal Life, and MC Hammer was his <laughs> officiant. Um, <laughs> should have called. Should have called Dan Cologne. <laughs> but, he officiates weddings now. <laughs> yes, I, I knew you weren't implying that he was MC Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't know that he also dances in parachute pants. Well, I can't. Believe it. <laughs> he did the theme song to the Second Adams Family. You don't remember? Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, uh, they really though made it seem like oh, you know, I had to do the reality shows. I didn't want to be out there, but I, I'm in debt. I did it for the money. I met my wife there. He later divorces, which he says, but, like, I have my child through there. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. I mean, he's writing this, of course. Like, for, okay, first of all, he looks good. Like, he looks like older Corey Feldman. I thought they got the look down right. But you guys are perfectly on the ball where as far as, like, he's he's all, like, living clean. And Corey Haim is, like, down and dirty on his luck, you know? And it's, like, visually, instantly apparent. And <laughs> that is just crazy because, you know... No, I mean again, like we need like a we need like a whole other movie about Corey Feldman after this movie ends to see sort of like the this is hard to say without like you know dissing him too hard, but like he kind of is like a bit of a uh, a crazy person. Like he hangs around with like a harem of women he calls the angels. Like he is a you know he is touting conspiracy theories from time to time. Like it is just I don't know Feldman. Yeah, Feldman. Feldman, like Feldman. he he just unfortunately does not seem seem to be in the best of mental health, right? And so like right now or at the time? Yeah, right at now, the right now. Well, all in he all, he hangs out like, with the harem right now that he calls the angels. Yeah, supposedly yes. <laughs> right in his, in a com- so, wow. in his compound, like he's well, got and again, a couple this, girlfriends. This, this movie is from 2018, and I know it's you know he died before that, so they're not depicting that era. But they really make it seem like. He 100% got his shit together, and he's making movies again. And let, let's yeah, be yeah. honest, these are, like, made-for-DVD movies. Lost Boys 2, Lost Boys 3, Lost Boys 4, things like that. They weren't, like, as big as the Lost Boys were. And I'm not dissing no. his career. And I think, for me, I don't want to, like, shit on them so much because That's Hollywood, the thing. Hollywood definitely did this to them, you know? Like, yes, yes, yes. And yes. They, wash, they use them, for sure. They had a bad run through. They had a bad childhood, and we love the movies. We love that kind of stuff. But ultimately, I feel shitty about what happened to them. But Mike, you are right. Like Corey Feldman's very hard to read these days, and Corey Haim is not alive to tell his story. So this is what we get out of it, and it's ironic and weird. But Joe, as someone again who 
had just, or just watching this movie, and let's say you knew even less than what you do about Corey Feldman, I bet you wouldn't even guess that like he's into conspiracy theories and has a harem of women because this no. makes it seem like he's Mr. Family Man. Yeah, he's like a to- like he's like totally wholesome. Like I could see him being like, oh, like I spent all the time at church and stuff. Like yeah, <laughs> he painted himself in the best light for sure. Oh, that's so weird. That's so weird that he's like, and it also feels like now knowing like when he died that he was kind of like waiting for Corey Haim to die to be like, okay, like here's my, here's the story. And like, so he didn't have any like rebuttal. It, it, it does feel a little like that too. And I love how they kind of prop up Haim at the end of the movie where he's like, Hey, I did get my shit together. Hey, I did do a cameo in a movie in crank too. You know, like things are kind of on the rise and stuff. And you could almost see the way the Feldman character is playing it. He looks like pissed off that Corey Haynes character is like coming not out. Not fuck up anymore. Yeah. Like it's so bad. And if that's not, the motivation behind his acting and performance like i'm reading it that way because that's how the character's been played the entire movie is just like kind of behind his eyes i just hear him say this motherfucker like trying to get in my shit like all the time kind of thing so like it it just it ends on such a bizarre note for me where the both of them are like hey, man, like, the future is bright. Like, you know, we're clean, we're sober. Like, maybe I'll try that a bit of that family you were talking about, right? And, like, our <laughs> kids can, like, go to school together one day. And it's just like, I don't know, Joe, like, if you can feel it, right, just by virtue of being a Lifetime movie, but I can feel it just, like, in general. Like, it is just so much horseshit on top of horseshit. Yes. Um, but yes, it's entertaining. It's entertaining, and I'm here for it. But it's just, like, such horseshit. That's how it feels. They always have to end it on a, like a really positive note. There's there's never you never get an ending of a movie that would be a movie that we would be like, "Oh, wow, what an interesting film." That just like ends, right? Like this this is mm-hmm. they're, they're not going to end it the way like an Oscar movie might just like let it like just just you know, dissipate. It right. has to end with like either like a really high note or a really low note. That's how you're going to get the end of a Lifetime movie. Because, Mike, you have to remember, and I talked about this with Brian a lot, is that the ending is playing while the credits for the next movie, like, oh, is rolling. Yeah. <laughs> you know Amazing. what I mean? Like, they're already queuing up the next movie. So, like, you have to, to wrap this up real quick in a tidy bow to finish it off. Wow, crazy. I, I think... You know, I would have more respect for this film if it ended at the funeral, right, than it did sort of the month before at the beach or something. But, like, that's the difference between, like, a kick in the pants and, like, just a piece of, like, uh, fluff or, you know, like, this thing, whatever this is, I guess. (laughs) Which I I still love. Don't get, you know, but I'm just saying, like, at times this one felt a little too sort of, like, big for its own britches where it's, like... Like, no, man, like, we're saying something here. And it's like, you're not really saying more than the obvious, really. But it's it's just more fun because it's the Corys, I think, right? Like, there's such an oddity. Like, it's just such an amalgam. It's like, just because they had the same first name? Like, that is the su- that's what's so bizarre. And that's why I'm so engaged. Because, like, there's just two kids picked out of a hat because they have the same name. And they're inexplicably no. linked together. That's kind of... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think you're way... I think they were... I think they were like child stars. Like they were like, no. they just happened to have the same name. Like That's they what were I'm like s- both charismatic dudes. No, I'm not saying that. I mean, I'm not saying like they don't, they're not 
great actors and didn't deserve it. I'm just saying the idea that they would be sort of coupled together because, like, you oh, how many how many Chris's are there right now? It's not like Chris Hemsworth and is only doing movies with like you know another Chris, right? Like that's yeah. the kind of thing I'm coming from. It's like it's just such a strange thing that like Hollywood would say you two like belong together. But these together. are child actors that look opposite that are about the same age. So like in that sense, I kind of get it. Like they, and like they had different trajectories that kind of just met. Right. And like, once they put them together, they were like, Oh, this is an unstoppable, unstoppable duo. Right. Like you have the, the the dark haired one and the blonde haired one. We were just (laughs) watching the movie together, the MTV like movie about boy bands. And it's like kind of like that, right? Like you need like the shy one and the, the, like the, the sexy one and the you know yeah, what I mean? like, yeah it's marketing you get the, yeah <laughs> the marketing of it yes i can see that they're being put together not because of their names just because like it it works too well to not have them as a as a tandem oh mike quickly so watching kid 90 over the weekend really i don't want to say change my perspective but kind of clarified this for me as well Soleil moon fry says in there like the reason i hung out with all these other kid celebrities is because at the time there were not too many of us. There was just a group of kids. We used to just see yep. each other on auditions. We used to exchange numbers, hang out. So them getting together is not that crazy to me. Okay. But the marketing of it, you're right. The, the fact that there were the two Corys and they start yes. being in films together. It's a, it's a small world out there, though, especially of child stars. Everyone seemed to have known Corey Feldman. That's, that's one thing that you find in doing your research as well. Obviously, Corey Haim... Unfortunately, and that's another thing too, Mike, we know that Corey Haim will do like a bunch of these like made for DVD movies and some that are really good in the nineties, Yeah, but this makes it sound like, Oh, once, once they had that falling out, no one would cast him. And eventually that was the case. But yeah, I mean, he was, he was still working. If you look at his IMDb, he never really stopped working. It's not like he was in a hole or something. He was just doing crappy stuff. Oh, and on the note that like Corey Feldman paints himself in a good light in this movie it's still whether or not he wants to he wanted to convey this it still seemed like he was trying to use Corey Haim at the end like he was trying to use him to boost himself like whether or not he was like finally being a little honest or it's just he was such a shitbag about this that it like you can't hide it (laughs) it's like (laughs) <laughs> is another thing that I can't distinguish, but like you see at the end of like he comes and he's like, hey, like you want to meet my kid, and he's like, oh, that's cool, like that's you're doing good, bud. Like I think I'm gonna do like community theater here, and he's like, no, why don't you come on my reality show? Because like he's <laughs> trying to get back into it because he's in debt, so it's like, yeah, you're yeah, still being scummy. There is sort of still that weird kind of like where is the line to all of this. Too, because that's sort of what I think I was trying to get out a little bit with the ending, Joe, too, is like Fellman seems to want Haim around so that he feels better about himself, right? That like, oh, yeah. this guy used to be my friend. Now he's on hard times. Like if I have him around, I'll look better. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, Corey Haim comes around and he's like, hey, man, I'm kind of doing like better than you. Like I'm in this movie with Jason. Yeah. I'm with Jason Statham in a movie, you know, like it's a real thing. Like I'm, I'm And he was sober. always jealous too, like from the beginning. Cause like, <laughs> like with the, like he stole my part thing, like you clearly see that he's jealous of him. Cause he thinks it like everything seems to just work out for Corey Haim. Even, you know, like <laughs> no matter what, like everything, he's just like the star. So yeah. I, 
Yeah. yeah, I think that he's like when he comes back and he's like, "Hey, I'm sober and stuff now." He's like, "Fuck, man!" Like, I was really hoping you'd you'd have like OD'd by now. No, like, like it's strange because I don't think the movie is necessarily like going for that, but it's just sort of inherent in the story being told, right? Like, it's just yeah, that, from yes, what they yes. pulled from trivia, IMDb facts, whatever you want to, wherever they, you know, Wikipedia script, but like. It's in the details, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the point. And Between so, the lines, yeah. Yeah, 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 triple-spaced and stuff. <laughs> yeah, again, I, I keep saying this word validation, and it's not validation of any of us being right or anything like that. It's just, this is everything we've heard, and now it's on screen. <laughs> right, right. Like, it would be one thing, Brian, if it was, like, just the complete opposite, or, like, we started seeing shit that ne- like we never heard or had, de- like, you know what I mean? Like... I don't know that like one of them were in the mafia, you know, I'm just trying to pull <laughs> something, you know, like just, just some other kind of shit about them that you never would have imagined. And you know, that like would have come up, but no, this well, is like everything in the tabloids. The couple things that like were new at the time were like the Lucas rape. And I think they're meet cute and things like that. But eventually, you know, Corey mm-hmm. Feldman spills it all anyway. So I don't, I don't know what to make of the movie, though, but I had a good time. But should I have? This is how I'm feeling, you know what I mean? Yes! But- yes! This this wasn't... <laughs> this was a really enjoyable, wacky time, lifetime movie. But knowing that it's a biopic, like, really puts a stain on it for me. Because, like, I enjoy these <laughs> yeah. movies, and I enjoy them, like, satirically, right? But, like, yeah, this was, like, heavy and dark, and it's still, like, you kind of fumbled around in it. And that's funny to me. <laughs> So, and it shouldn't be, but yeah, that's that's where I'm at, too. I'm with you, Brian. I feel you. <laughs> yeah, I'm there, too, because I'm wondering if, like, should a biopic be this much exploitation? <laughs> like, yes! You, yes! Right? Like, it feels like, you know, it feels like class of 1984, Brian, at times, right? Like, it feels like a hardcore sort of teen exploitation film, but it kind it really happened. Like, I feel like there should almost be more respect involved you know no matter who it is but like just seeing just like again i couldn't believe like the portrayal of them at some points like i had heard some stories but then you you know when you just see a fraction of what you've been told portrayed in you know a very flamboyant manner you realize that it was like a hundred times more than that you know constantly and it just makes your mind sort of like freeze for a minute or two to to kind of like figure out a way to like wrap your head around that you know and i think this movie you know just sort of it's weird how much of it is feels like this exploitation thing and not like a biopic but that's the lifetime aspect of it like what is, are, is that the lifetime yes. is that what lifetime yeah yeah I would, okay i would consider lifetime films as exploitation films they wouldn't consider it but they are in a sense like it's a genre and this if okay if i went to the theater and saw this movie I would think it was 20 times more offensive because I'm like, yes, what yes, is this? Yes, crap? Yes. You know? <laughs> but knowing what it is, that's like if I went to go see a, I don't know, if I see an opera about the two Corys, there are certain expectations that I'm going to get that are more operatic, you know, for lack of a better term, than if I'm getting the straight documentary, right? So when I'm watching a Lifetime film, there are Lifetime things that I expect to see that I, I'm rewarded with a couple times here. I don't, again, it's hard to love because it's a true story, but 
I can't not love those aspects of it because that's what makes it a lifetime film. Everyone knew what they were doing when they made this a lifetime yes. film. Yes. Everyone they knew the audience. Doing. They know how it's going to come out, how it's going to be made. Yes. Exactly. And, it's just that, a different form of art. And that feels like the craziest part of it to me. <laughs> like, like, There's a like, bunch of people working on this movie knowing exactly what it's going to be. Because it's not like it's... I wouldn't go as far to say as like it's irresponsible because that's you know those you can make a movie it's a movie it's a story you know and it, it it happened and you and it is mostly a warning you know what I mean like it's not making this look cool or fun or anything like that so their hearts in the right place I guess it's just never not gonna feel strange I guess that there's a lifetime movie about the two Corys like I just I know they're stratus they're in the stratosphere like that like they are constellations in the sky but like I just didn't realize, you know, how bright they were still shining, I guess. It's oh, just... that's another, that's a question I had for you guys. Why now was this mm-hmm. movie made? What, what had caused 2017 to be like, let's revive the Corys? Considering he died in 2010, the, the, they're obviously famous from the 90s. What was like, because Lifetime always has a catalyst too. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody like something just happened to someone and they're back in the news. That's why you do this. So was there a, was there a point that you can point to that say like, oh, in 2017, like the book came out or something like, what was it? Do you know by any chance? The book was after this, but I just think it was two factors. One. Obviously, like we're in such a nostalgia era, and Lifetime is okay. looking for these stories. Uh, two, That's fair. Yeah, Corey Feldman loves to put himself out there. At least pre pre to this, now he's apparently in hiding because of the army of uh, sex offenders that are out to get him. I don't know, but pre <laughs> like in this era, especially again. What are there five Lost Boys films now, Mike? Oh, I'm I lost count, but yeah, they're all sort of straight to video stuff. He's trying to make movies and get paid. I wouldn't be surprised if his agent was like, "Hey, so Lifetime has been talking at Hollywood parties, wanting to do biopics on on real stories that happened. Would you be cool to sign off on this?" And he's like, "Yeah, definitely, let's do it." And they're preferential mm. to ones that have a stamp of approval. So like. Interesting. If you say yeah, they'll do it. I've got, <laughs> I've got a different sort of <laughs> thing playing out in my head, kind of, because I have like, as soon as Corey Haim passes away, I mean, this is gonna sound pretty. This might not sound great, um, but like, I feel like as soon as Haim passed away, Fellman was working on that feature film about the two Corys, and seven years later, Lifetime's the only person that had any interest in sort of telling that, that wouldn't shock me either, you know the and they're timing like timing is right. weird yeah, well that's the it, thing that's like but it's there's like seven no, years later yeah right it feels like the kind of end of an exhausted journey for him where it's like well i guess we're gonna have to accept lifetime's bid because they're the only they've been waiting <laughs> you know and they've I been waiting for, for seven years yeah yeah on and a like hard drive somewhere <laughs> yeah. they're actually gonna spend the money to like hire five other writers and to like get on this and make you know something out of my you know, my notes and stuff. So that's sort of where I see it coming from. I don't really think anyone was like reaching out to him about this. I think, I mean, maybe Lifetime was just like, hey, what's in the pike? Uh, you know, the two Corys. It's like, shit, yeah, why not? Might as well. Like, let's let's do that. It, it, I don't feel like there was like a catalyst for this. I just feel like it kind of was like, hey, remember all this other shit? Like, 
there was also two Corys. Like, check them out. <laughs> I mean, that checks out, too. <laughs> I, I want to believe that, but I know that Lifetime always has, like, like their finger on the pulse, right? So it's hmm. like, oh, something happened, and, like, now we need to do this immediately. Because we know that the turnaround on these movies is really quick. So, like... It doesn't take them long to do it. So usually it's like, you know, you'll see something weird in the news. Like, for example, like Casey Anthony, like they'll be like, oh, like her trial's wrapping up or something. And they're like, OK, Lifetime movie comes out like immediately afterwards. Right, right, right. Well, well, maybe I mean, the if the book did come after, maybe it was sort of trying to lead into the book or yeah, something like, like that. You're right. Promo for the book. Maybe. Yep. That and, works and I think Corey Feldman also just like a year, like right before lockdown, I think he was about to premiere a new documentary that he put together. Um, but I feel like he canceled yeah. a bunch of the screenings or something. No, what happened there was like he had a bunch of screenings and then like the, at simultaneously the screen, the film shut off and he was saying it got hacked. But some people were saying like it was hacked by like the pedophile organization that chases him. But some people were saying that he did it on purpose to drum up, you know, support for, for the documentary or oh, whatever. But, and this was right before pandemic. So I, I don't know. That's all I'll say. I don't know the answer to that. But he's always putting us. I mean, lately he's putting a story out there, though. This might have just been part of it. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Uh, just another conspiracy, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> mm. All right. Let's get to our questions. Usually easy on a lifetime movie but first question every week these days is who was this movie made for who was the target audience moms i'll let mike answer first moms (laughs) fucking moms right (laughs) scared moms (laughs) scared moms for sure that's exactly what i'm saying like scared moms that are precisely mike's age like exactly the same age as mike that's who it is. Old as fuck, moms. <laughs> no, that's I know. not old as no, fuck. No, I know, I know. No, that's the, definitely not old as fuck. That was, I went to the movie theaters to see these to guys. To see the two I know, I'm in movies, yeah. My I sister's bought, age, yeah. Yeah, I bought Tiger Beat magazine because it had, you know, the hamster <laughs> and the fell dog on the cover. Um, <laughs> fell dog. <laughs> and then, wow, this is what happened with these guys? Crazy. And then they move on to the next movie. Most this, some of these questions. Sorry, I'm, I shouldn't be laughing, but I'm laughing ahead of time because the, the fucked upness. Most likely to succeed. Who won the movie? Who comes out on top in A Tale of Two Corys? Oh, brother. Um, Bernie Haim, Corey's dad, who got out of the picture fast and early. <laughs> That's a good one. I was gonna say Corey Feldman's parents because they got that forty grand and just bailed Ooh. on them. Yeah. They, but how long did that last? That couple, like. Yeah, you know, probably, yeah. that's long. they're like Two straight weeks. out of Casino, right? Like, yeah, it's just the, it literally becomes like the movie Casino. They, with they like are the, Sharon yeah. Stone and James Woods. Like, that is yes, them. exactly. <laughs> Wooderson Award. Is there a character here you would have liked to see more of? Mm. I mean, I would have followed Carrie Fisher. Oh, Carrie Fisher, that'd have been cool. Maybe more Hanks. I could have been like get Tom Hanks to say like one or two, like, hey, you know, like maybe we should take five. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna say the unseen characters. Like we don't get Nicole Eggert here. You know, we don't get a lot of the co-stars from their other films mm. that that we see. Um, um you wanted the um Patricia Arquette cameo. Patricia Arquette would have been great. I mean, I don't know. There's a there's a bunch about, of No, no. How about Corey Haim's sister? Like what the fuck happened yeah. to her, right? Cause she just like go, like she's like there. He's like doing drugs all over the house, and then 
she just like goes to school? Is she like a normal functioning oh. person? Why didn't we get um, an actor change for older Michael Jackson? That would have been interesting. Like have another <laughs> actor come back. Maybe Corey Feldman could have played him. In, I don't because know. Because that's a whole nother like series of movies. <laughs> Of course, yeah. I know. I'm um, on the joking end of the podcast. <laughs> no, and with the sister, yeah, she she speaks a lot about Corey as well. Again, she was an actor too, so she was in these circles, and I guess she just went out to get her education. I'm not sure. All good answers, though. All valid answers. There's plenty here that I want to know more of. And Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character whose omission from the film would make things better? Would you delete any character or storyline here? Yeah. Definitely Michael Jackson. I, mean, like, I get it, but like, and like, I don't even think he played a bad Michael Jackson, but just like, there was so much fucking Michael Jackson in this movie for no reason. Like, it didn't move any parts of the story. It, like, he could have just referenced Michael Jackson, like, in the, a distant thought. Like, you know, like, oh, uh, yeah, and then I was hanging out with, like, like the scene where he's like, oh, are you going to introduce me to Michael Jackson? He's the only one that understands me. Like, that's the only scene you needed, and it doesn't have Michael Jackson. In it <laughs> it would have been great if he was just telling Corey, like, I even had Michael Jackson call my dad, and nothing. Like, no one <laughs> exactly. could get through. But, like, it's <laughs> it's so funny. Like, this, oh, man, this Michael Jackson shit, I'm just never going to get over how much he did. Like, it just does not even feel like Michael Jackson. Like, I cannot get past the point that, like, if Michael Jackson calls your dad to be like, look, your son's upset, and then your dad is just like, fuck you, Michael Jackson, like, that is not going to happen in, in this world. I'm sorry. I just think that is the most amazing part of this movie. Yeah, I don't know. Like, the power, Mike, first of all, Michael Jackson's not going to pick up his own telephone to fucking dial any shit. I'll tell you that well, much. Well, no, he's... he made Corey do it, so that's that's, that's believable. And then he's, he's going like, to, like... Yeah, just use that phone. Yeah, and then he's going to have Bubbles hold the phone for him. You know, his pet monkey's going to hold the phone while he speaks in yes. his It's a whole process. The elephant man's bones weren't even in this movie. Come on, that's not Michael Jackson. <laughs> Cameron Fry Award. Now, we don't really see school. Obviously, they're being schooled on set. We do see some teenagers, but it's mostly... You know, we don't see too many teenagers, actually. They, like, there's extra teenagers, but... So I'll just, I'll just... I'll focus the question a little bit more. Were the two Corys convincing Corys and convincing teenagers to you? Yeah, yeah. I thought the older Corey Haim, he reminded me of Jai Courtney a little bit, the <laughs> Captain Boomerang uh, guy. I, uh, he's, um, I think he was John McClane's son in the last Die Hard movie. It's like he popped up around in, around town here and there. Uh, he was in one of the Terminators. He plays like Kyle Reese in, in one of the new Terminators oh, okay. and stuff. Yeah, no, I thought the Corys were good. I thought all the actors playing the Corys were good. Uh, young Corys' wigs were a little out of control at times, but otherwise, I thought they were all right. I think Corey Haim looks super young. Like, the the teen one, he looked 16 to me. Like, that kid could have been 16. I'm sure he was 18 or something, but, like, the baby face worked really well. And um, Corey Feldman, too. Like, he looked really young. So, like, if that's what I'm basing this on, I'm like, yeah. They, they look like teenagers. It's it's not egregious as like we've seen in some other things, so I'm fine with it. All right, let's let's grade the film. You know, oh we don't really, we don't really stick to report cards too much when it's the lifetime movies. It's also yes. hard to Rotten Tomatoes. There's an NA because critics don't rate like lifetime movies for whatever reason. Yes, because they are cowards, Richard Roper. I'm talking to you. Seventy five percent by the audience, but 
There's only seventy-five percent. That's huge. Because only... it's 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 like a best of the worst type situation, though. Like that's how only... I'm grading it. It's only fifty people, but still, if oh my god, know. that's it. Yeah, yeah, people don't really go out of there because you just consume Lifetime movies. You don't critique Lifetime movies. We're the only people doing that right now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, very few people in the world, like, actually talk about a Lifetime movie beyond, like, did you see it? There is a letterbox page for it, which I was surprised. Not every Lifetime movie mm-hmm. gets one. No. 2.1 out of 5 on Letterbox there. So not great. Snobs. Not great. But you, Snobs. You, yes, you know, letterbox people are definitely not watching Lifetime movies like with, <laughs> you know, you know, like with an eye for a good grade. So, yeah. <laughs> but whatever. What do we want to grade? A Tale of Two Corys. I give it three and a half bathroom lines out of five. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's that's high praise because those lines were huge. Yeah, exactly. I think that there's a lot of good in here. I wish they would have gone a little wackier. They kind of kept it. They tried to, like, rein it in too much for me. Like, they tried to, like, stick in reality. And I think that's where I was hoping that it got crazier. Like, the you're right. I, there's things that I loved, like the drug faces. Like, let's make the textbook drug face of the drug that we talk about right now. That's great. But they should have leaned into that more. And if it would have... It would have gone up a point in my book. Well, one line. It would have gone up a line in my book. <laughs> How about you, Mike? I'm right around there. I'm a, I think I give it the same grade, but I I feel like I have a different sort of like view. Like I don't feel like they could have gone. Like I feel like they went far, but like I haven't seen as many Lifetime movies as you guys. Yeah. Well, so this is nothing. Oh, if this is nothing. Then fuck. Like, what were they holding back for? Like give me a break then at that point, you know, because it seemed like a lot to me. Okay. Like I said, the only thing missing was like a murder or some blood on someone's hands, you know, like people in hospitals and stuff. Like, I feel like if you, if you do more, you're off lifetime. Now you're on Cinemax or something like no. HBO. Yeah, like because you got to start dropping f bombs, showing nudity. Oh, in that like, way, yeah. But implying in a way. No, no but in, like in lifetime wackiness, it as, could have gotten way wackier without getting raunchy. Well, I suppose, right? Like they kind of hit all the bases: the prison, rehab, hospital, ODs. You know. Yeah, like, I think they did a really good job with what they could. I just feel like it's, they, you know, what more could you have done with this material? I don't know that they could have really amped up the zaniness. And maybe maybe just sort of portraying more famous people. Like, I would have liked to have seen that, you know? Like I said with the Tom Hanks guy and and, and think make less Michael Jackson, maybe, you know, more Sean Austin. I don't know. But, like, just sort of mix it up a little more in that way, you know? Yeah. Brian, do you think do you think on the scale of lifetime movies that this was zany or no? Because because Mike like obviously hasn't watched as many lifetime movies as I try to make you watch. How do you feel about that? No, this definitely wasn't on the zany side, and that's again that's because it is a true story. But yeah. Mike, I know your perspective as well, so that's why you guys have the same score and came at it a very different way, and that's good. Yes. That's good. I like that. I'm going to be simple here. I'm going to give it two out of two Corys. That's it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Very well played. I agree. All right. What what does your A Tale of Two Corys sleeping bag look like? (laughs) Oh, man. 
Uh, I think my, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but it's got to be big enough for two Corys. So. <laughs> Damn. 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 I, I'm not going to beat that. I'm not going to beat that. Oh, man. <sighs> my, my, oh, I got it. It has to be, it has to be like a Michael Jackson thriller sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, too. And Michael Jackson. <laughs> yes. Mine is just going to have a bunch of twos all over it. Just the number two? Yeah. Just cause... Joe two. Just my face. Because <laughs> of all of its relation to the Corys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. So this movie really was for you. No, I'm thinking like that gold two necklace. The gold, the gold two, two, two necklace he had. That's okay, just the, the print. 22. I see. Dude, it's, yeah, no. Sacred How about two. this? An all black sleeping bag, but just like the necklace is on the sleeping bag just around the neck. So it looks like you're wearing it when the sleeping oh. bag zipped up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Because he was, he was even wearing that as an adult, if you notice in the movie. Yeah, he was like as an old man. He still had the triple two uh, necklace on. Another thing I wrote in relevance to that, and I was like, should I say it? But I'll say it. I was like, is it really a lucky number for you, Corey Haim? <laughs> Have you really lived a lucky life? Holy shit. <laughs> I'm just That's saying. Perfect. <laughs> really? Because I think that he's like the lucky. Like, I watched this movie and I was like, Corey Haim was fucking badass. Like, if I had to pick between being which of the Corys I would be, I would be like, Corey Haim was killing it. Like, I mean, granted, <laughs> there was some bad parts to his life, but at the same He's time, like, he was just... <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he lived it. He, he, was, in out of con- he was out of control. <laughs> like It was a true just... Faustian bargain then, because he, de- <laughs> he definitely, you know, he, he had those highs, but those are some of the worst The lows, lows. were low. Yes, the, b- but More he was riding low. the wave for a <laughs> while of there. Lows, dead. But aside from that, <laughs> oh no! But he was just uh, raped as a child by by multiple and people. addicted, yeah. like and you know, OD'd drugs. and stuff. And yeah, his parents broke up because of him. And like, yeah. But you I know, mean, like those aside, fun times looked fun. <laughs> aside from his horrible life, his escape from reality is what I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly. Um, I feel like we need to separate the next question. So two picks for okay, each right? of you. Oh, t- I get two. Yeah, because, you know, I, I feel like you two are hitting this movie, again, from different places that I, I don't want to blend this. I want to hear, Joe, your opinion, Mike, your opinion. But, of course, the question I'm alluding to is we're in that magical, magical blockbuster with every movie that has ever existed in the history of time. We know we're going to watch A Tale of Two Corys for our slumber party, but we need two more movies each for this sleepover trifecta or even more, you know? We got we to gotta separate it, right? Mike, Mike, do you want to be the Feldman or the Haim? I, I don't know, but what are two movies <laughs> that, that you would watch with A Tale of Two Corys? Uh, okay, so first I just want to say I now own A Tale of Two Corys. <laughs> uh, I'm so proud of you. It's <laughs> okay? a good movie. It's, it's wild. It's the only fucking way to legally watch it online anywhere is to buy it on Vudu. Uh, luckily, like, at least I, I like the Vudu streaming service. I think they have a really, really good connection. So, like, I have all my digital copies there anyway, but it's at the top of the list now. So... <laughs> As it should be. I hope the next time you have a lady friend over and you're like, let's watch a movie. Let's go into my voodoo. And she's looking at like, oh, your selections. Like, oh, look at this Godzilla movie. Look at the uh, whatever this Hanks movie, this Hanks movie, this cruise movie, this cage movie. What's what's this? A Tale of Two Corys. Let's, uh... Yeah, I think I don't think she's getting past the Godzilla and the and the cage, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> but if if that happens, yes, no, I, I take your point. <laughs> so what are your picks? Okay, 
So, first off, I mean, super obvious to me, like this one came out in 2019, Honey Boy with Shia. Um, so okay, you, okay you yeah, know, yeah. Yeah, so Honey Boy is the movie Shia wrote. I believe he wrote it in rehab. He did not direct it, um, but he wrote it. It's about his life, and he plays his father. He plays his own abusive stage father in that movie uh, and you sort of see the kind of like cruel and unusual circumstances that he had to live through for for a while it goes over his time on even steven mostly and then it sort of shows him growing up uh in rehab the the famous sort of uh, incident i think he talked about on letterman or something like that uh where he got arrested and um, when he was in the cabaret, I think so. I'm not positive exactly. It's it's not. Yeah. It, it kind of blurs the um, reality really well because it doesn't exactly pinpoint his career specifically. It just is like here's around the time I was working on this. Here's sort of when I was on the Transformers set, kind of stuff. But it's like super revealing. Not too dark, right? Like not dark that you can't get through. It's got really good kid playing him as a little tot and stuff. So like I. I just really liked it. I know Shia is a very problematic dude in real life and stuff, but like, and I'm not telling it. It kind of fits though. Yeah. Like you watch this movie and you don't, I'm not saying, you know, forgive the dude for like the things he's done or anything, but like you definitely understand a little bit better of like, you know, where that frustration must've come from and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's a good one. Nice. Nice. Man, I'm about to flip a coin. But I think I'm going to go with my other pick is the uh, Lifetime movie I mentioned earlier because it's one of the only other Lifetime movies I can actually remember like watching all the way through cover to cover. I know I've seen a couple, but I couldn't tell you the names of them. Perfect. Um, That's how but... you should remember them. <laughs> Might as well watch A Deadly Adoption you know, with Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig and mm. throw, throw that on the pile. I, I really enjoyed it. I know they were going for kind of like a tongue-in-cheek parody but i think they accidentally ended up making a pretty fun movie like it yep it gets to a point where you kind of wonder like i don't think they're joking like i think they're actually going <laughs> for lifetime like i think they're they've calibrated their performances for television kind of masterfully in a way because they're both from television they both did snl and stuff so it's a really interesting watch. Like that's all I'll say. I really enjoyed it, and I would like to watch that again. That works. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's a that's a good little blend. I didn't think you were gonna throw a lifetime uh, movie in there. And Mike, that movie, like, it's funny, but it, it's great when you have the context of the film that it was literally just like, hey, we're gonna star in this lifetime film. That's this is already a script, and they really didn't want anything changed or altered for them. They just wanted to be in the movie and i think that's what makes it like such a cool project joe do you have picks yes i do have picks so i think the first one i'm gonna i mean you know how i'm gonna do this so fast and furious exactly (laughs) exactly the first one i'm gonna go with is gonna be the craigslist killer the lifetime movie from two 2011 I think that one is kind of a biopic, but it, it gets a little zanier from what I remember. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Is so Craigslist kind of... still a thing? No, is Cra- I think Craigslist shut down. Did it? Okay, yeah. That... Shut down, I wow, think. that used to be a huge thing for like a decade. Yeah, so it's, you know, lots of fear, but murdery <laughs> and kind of zany in Lifetime. <laughs> and online stuff. You're getting into and the And online net. stuff. Yeah. And then the second pick... Is something I've never seen before, but I think that I need to watch it. 
and it's called Britney Ever After, and it's the 2017 <laughs> Lifetime movie mm. that's the biopic on Britney that her reps have told Entertainment Weekly does not have her stamp of approval. Wow. Ooh. I didn't know this existed. Wow. But it's around the same time as this movie, so it like came out right before the two Corys. It's about Britney, which we talked about, and I was saying I wish I had seen, like I wish they had made, they did, and it doesn't have her stamp of approval. I think this is going to be juicy, so I want to watch this one. Ooh, good recommends there. A little bit of a little bit of both there, right? You get a traditional and one you haven't yeah. seen before. Yeah, I, I think that like we need to like sit down and watch that one, guys. Especially like in this context, you're, you're gonna get like a very similar vibe by the year. Lifetime movies. We talked about this. Maybe Mike doesn't know this, but there's like big genres of Lifetime movies based on time, like what they were trying to make at at a certain like five, six year, 10 year period that like, you know, like maybe they do a lot of biopics right now, but like at one point they were doing like all like, this is a scary, like this movie is just about a scary drug or a scary disease that you might get from sex and like stuff like that. So, you know, it it seems like this fits in the theme pretty well. So I'm actually going to do one this, this time I'm going to have some recommendations. What do you got? Well, it's just two films I already mentioned. The first one is going to be a lifetime film, the Brittany Murphy story. Because um, it's the only other one I've seen of this nature. I remember it being pretty good, but the one thing that stuck out to me was that, like... So, in real life, she married, like, a paparazzi guy. Okay. And he's, like, the hero of the story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, essentially, like... He, so, I'm thinking he signed off on it because he, he was like, oh, you know, she, her life was disordered and he married her and everything was great and she just happened to die. <laughs> And and that it was tied Sorry, up, it was not... t- it was tied up neatly like that like so the movie ended with like you know her memory lives on and, you know her husband and I think her child whatever you know stuff like that so yes it remi- exactly <laughs> remind me of this and, and the other one is what I what I've been talking about the whole time Kid ninety the Soleil Moon Fry documentary about all the footage she has from mm. her childhood growing up around child stars and there's no real spoiler there because it's not like narrative in that sense but. It, it like the ending's kind of sad because they have a um they have a like in memory of thing and there's a box there's eight people like in this in memory Jesus. of thing who appeared in there who who died. One of the surprises of the movie was that she like she goes to NYU or some New York school eventually and she gets in with like 90 skater kids and a bunch of them end up being in that film kids. Oh. oh, and that so that was the crew she started hanging out with, like towards the end of these tapes, which is so like Chloe Savini and like Rosaria Dawson, not not them, like the guys, like the skater guys oh. she starts hanging out with. So it goes from basically like she's fourteen, growing up, hanging out with like teen other teen child stars to that era. <laughs> so it's like wow, crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy. So definitely check out Kid Ninety. And if you want, check out the Brittany Murphy story as well as a Lifetime film. Yes. Well, this was super fun, guys. It was a super fun way to end our two Corys. What did we call it? Corinthians part one? Corinthians one, yes. Corinthians one. We'll go back to the Cory part two. There's even something, Joe, I have in mind for you next year that relates to the Corys. So I'll, I'll, I'll I'll drop that another time. But this was a blast. Anything you guys want to plug or say... Or whatever. Both of you, by the way, will be on High School Slumber Party episodes in the coming weeks anyway. So if you guys aren't <laughs> sick of them by now, they'll be here. So anything you want oh, to plug, boy. though? Yeah, if you're not tired of 
this guy, this voice, Joey and I have have come back with our Elvis podcast. So Viva Pod I Vegas heard. is back, baby, and we recorded an episode for GI Blues, aka Sex Bet. Um, you got you gotta watch the movie to find out what that means what? and listen to that episode. <laughs> it's crazy, Elvis in the military, and then. Third time's a charm, the third of every month. Brian is my unofficial co-host. Joe Two's been on this year for the Ninja Turtles and oh, some more um some more martial Yeah, some more martial arts action with Lone Wolf and Cub. And then my new show with Dan Cologne, the last Friday of every month is The Monsters That Made Us, where we are looking at the history of the Universal Monster films and beyond. So come join us and watch Dracula's Daughter, a very good movie check that out um you can always find me at too fast too forever on the cage club podcast network where we talk about all the fast and the furious movies which are pretty much just like big budget lifetime movies anyways (laughs) um and it's a huge month for us because fast nine officially comes out in this month and these two goons hopefully are going to come see it with us and um, I'm getting really, really excited for Fast. I'm getting excited for, like, family gatherings. For sure. And us all going to see Fast 9, hopefully, together. I'm looking forward to barbecues and the movies. And the movies. Yes, exactly. The, mo- the movies. <laughs> I remember. Brian, my- do you know that? Did you see that? Well, my brother, actually, because my brother is a page at NBC. And he saw it like weeks oh. before everyone else. I think I think I mentioned it to Joey, and he's like, "You're gonna see this, and it's ridiculous." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll throw the clip in here. Who knows? But guys, again, absolute pleasure, Joe. I'll I'll see you for Twilight, Mike. I'll see you for prom. We'll, uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good way to end it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Let's just end it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Perfect. It's been a while. The roads were a little empty. Places where we used to gather went quiet. We've gone through a year that tested us. But we're starting to see the promise of a new day. For more than a hundred years, there's one place where we all came together to be entertained to escape, to go someplace new. The movies. There's nothing like that moment when the lights go down. The projector ignites. And we believe. The movies. I love it. I'm actually excited. I haven't been back to the theater officially. Well, even unofficially, but I don't know why I said officially. I haven't been back to the movies in a while, so vaccinated ready to go ready to do it haven't decided what i'm gonna do it for first it might be fast nine it might very well be fast nine i'm definitely gonna see in the heights but i think i'll be seeing that in the comfort of my own home i'm gonna talk more about that movie next week because it's not a high school movie but it's actually a really important movie to me but more on that later wow it is the end of corinthians one it is the end of our Corey lap 
I can't believe it. Don't worry, Corey fans. We'll be back next year with some more Corey movies. Mike Mansley will be back as well. Big thank you to Mike overall for being on all these Corey episodes with me. It wasn't easy at times. Look, we love the Coreys. I have a new appreciation for their work. But to do all these movies back to back to back, you know, normally I'm switching genres up, switching decades up. Things are a little bit different. Not today. Nuh-uh. Not today. Not this lap. But this movie was so great to finish the lap with. I mean, it's dark. It's tragic. That's a good word for it. It's tragic. But it kind of tied up everything we've been talking about off screen, about the on screen films that we've been covering, if that makes sense. I know that probably doesn't make sense, but it makes sense in my head. Oh, well. And yeah, thank you, Joe, too. He'll be on our Twilight films with Kate Hudson. Mike Manzi will be on our prom film this year. More on that in a couple episodes as well. But of course, I need to assign you homework. Homework for your weekend. By me, if you can't hear it, it is torrentially raining. It is pouring. Hopefully it doesn't ruin the weekend. That's two rainy weekends in a row here in New York, so that'll stink. But I think tomorrow is going to be better. Anyway, your homework and my homework. We're doing it again. High School Slumber Party AP is back. Island Addington. You know, where we talk the intelligent movies, we talk the modern movies, a little different twist on things because, you know, we usually talk a lot of nostalgia here. Hell, we just talked all about the Corys, right? But we want to talk modern films. We want to have a higher learning conversation about them. That's what High School Slumber Party AP is all about. That's why I've brought along Island Addington as my official co-host. We talked Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always last time. A great movie. A deep movie. A movie that you should definitely, definitely watch. And we're following that up with a movie of equal prestige. Not really, because we are talking American Pie, Girls Rules. Guys, we're all lacking something in the romance area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rule one, fix our romantic lives. Rule number two, we support our fellow women. And we won't let each other get away with our usual <laughs> Me. Am I right, ladies? Uh, yeah. We're using the party gods to seduce a new guy. Wow, you need to sacrifice a virgin or something? No, don't worry, you're safe. <laughs> the guy you might be looking for might be right under your oyster. I mean, it is a beautiful time to be alive, ladies. Am I right? <laughs> oh, oh, God, yes! <gasps> ladies. Please raise your glasses. The girls rules. Yes. Yes. Oh. So yes, this is like the nine billionth film in the American Pie series. This <laughs> is an interesting one. It's a fun one. And it's easy to watch. It's on Netflix. So check it out on Netflix. I can't wait for you to hear our high-level discussion, Island and myself, on American Pie. Girls rules. We flip the script here. The ladies are in charge. <laughs> this should be fun. Oh, one more thing. If you were expecting the ballots to be out there for the superlatives this year for our yearbook special, well, it's taken me a lot longer than I thought. Every year, the godfather, Joey Lewandowski, tells me to, hey, Brian, as you do movies, write potential nominees down. And every year I say I'm going to do it, 
and I don't do it. So I go back through all the episodes of High School Slumber Party, try to get some nominees. Hopefully a week from now, I'll have the ballot out and we'll have that yearbook special out by the end of the month. So guys, remember, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. I'll leave you with the real version this time. The fake version played in the movie, but the real version, we're going to do it. We don't have to take our clothes off. By Jermaine Stewart. Hey, the rain stopped. Maybe it's going to be a good weekend after all. Later, dudes.